welcome. So we're on video. Cheers. Hello. Cheers. Yeah. Hello. Okay. So what what are you doing in Prague? What do I do in Prague? You know, what are you doing in Prague? Oh man, I'm living an extended childhood, adolescence. Yeah. Um, I do a podcast. I make some music. I try to write some. Mm-hmm. And I also work for money and try to stay social and yes. evenly balanced. Yeah. Yeah. When did you start this podcast? Uh, we started, what was that? May, June, of, it was in 2020. So late spring, early summer, 2020. Yeah. Why did you start this podcast? You just, you oh, I always wanted to do one. I gotta make sure my phone's off. Okay. Yes. Um, I always wanted to do one. Yeah. And it was a good time to start. Yeah. It also gave me, like, I had bought a smaller interface than the one I have now and a mic or two. Like, I wanted to buy an interface and a mic, but I couldn't justify just using it for music. Because you've heard my music. So, um, and with all, it was like, a, okay, it gives me another reason to own this. I can just own something. So, did you listen to podcast yourself? Or who did you listen to? Oh, before that? Before you started it. Oh man, when was that? That's a coffee mug. Um, 538 podcast, like a politics podcast from the States, although that one's gone down the hill. Uh, Mar- Mark Marin is probably the first podcast I listened to. Some Joe Rogan. Yeah, I think those three are pretty much the extent of it. Um, a little bit, one, a, a sadly overlooked and long forgotten podcast, which the second half of its days were not as strong as its first half. Night Call. Night Call. Yeah. These, like, basically three journalists from the States. They're like, you know, people do podcasts because they try to make a little money. Mm-hmm. But they were trying to recreate the vibe of, like, the late night call in radio shows as a podcast. Yeah. And they obviously all knew each other. And some of the, like, they started having too much success where the production value went up and it kind of ruined it. Mm-hmm. But at the start, like, one of my favorite podcasts, because, you know, sometimes, like, you have a podcast that's funny or whatever, whatever. And this one is just a mood. Like, it's just people being weird and deliberately weird and, like, kind of cringy, but, like, not, like, just, like, sticking in it. Yeah. Like, okay, we're talking about demonic possession, <laughs> ironically. Like, we're talking about like the demonic possession, which we all believe in, but we're like talking about it ironically. That's yeah. kind of the vibe of the show. So that one was a good one, Night Call. And what's, when you started doing your, what was the idea behind it? Was it, did you have a specific uh, topic you want to talk about? Or did no, originally I wanted to do like a Joe Rogan style commentary on ideas of the day with my cousin. And I wanted hopefully like split production requirements. So I do half, but he do half. Ethan, who's a frequent guest on the podcast. And then it just, I was more interested than him. So we just, I had kind of changed the format where it's like, okay, we're gonna have a variety of guests. What are we gonna talk about? What distinguishes us? And I also kind of found like, I don't know. I think every podcast has become that. Like it's, everybody is starting a podcast because they want to get their two cents out into the world about like their pet topic, but nobody wants another white dude like ranting about COVID vaccines. (laughs) Like there's already 10,000 of those podcasts. 
So, you know, it's there's a variety of different things you can do, right? You can just do pure humor. You can do like ironic takes on things. You can do niche subjects, but like that market is already covered. Mm. Um, like you're not gonna outdo Joe Rogan. Like no one's gonna listen to Joe Rogan and then like go listen to your version of Joe Rogan next. Yeah. It's kind of my thought on it now. How many episodes have you done though? Uh, we're probably, we probably published around 40, 35 or 40, and we have another 10 queued up. Just still need to put out, figure out when putting them out. Yeah. When the, so when you meet people, when, this is what I thought about, it's like when, because I've had to say, oh, that would be a good person for the podcast. It's like, how quickly do you normally? Well, see, I think is I can make a good podcast with the worst guest. Honestly, mm-hmm. sometimes the more boring the guest, the better the podcast. Because if I have a very, like a person with a lot of personality, then, or they have something they really want to talk about, then I am captive to what they want to do with the podcast. Okay. Um, and like, at, at its worst, so the person has no expertise on the topic, a very common opinion on it, but is yet convinced that like they have a very important thing to say. And so it ends up being like, I just have, like those just are very dull. Yeah. Right? If I just have somebody that's like very nervous, then I can just like start talking about fascism and my deep abiding love for fascist <laughs> ideologies. And that just tends to make a very interesting podcast very fast. Uh, <laughs> I'm not actually a fascist people. Um, but I think that like that tends to be better. Um, the one thing I really don't have, I don't have experts come on. You know, if I, one thing I would do, if I had like somebody who was the foremost in a subject, like if I had access to someone like this, mm-hmm. and they wanted to come on and do an episode, then I think I would run those differently, where it would just be, hey, come on, rant about your thing, maybe I'll ask you questions, but as it is, nobody I have on is an expert in anything, so the best I can do is either talk about something interesting, or make it interesting. Okay. Yeah. So... For example, that guy last night, I can't remember his name. Yeah. He would have been an interesting guy to be on the podcast, I think. Well, I mean, he might come on, but um, some Nietzsche, some hard right-wing Nietzsche scholar. But honestly, somebody like that, you know, it's, I don't know. Like, it's a podcast, right? You show up, you talk, it's recorded, etc. right? I don't know. People sometimes, I mean, I guess sometimes people prep things. I don't, you know, I usually, usually it's, how do I put this? People come on like, what's it going to be? What am I supposed to do? And I think at some point, almost every time when I'm recording, it settles down into a conversation mm-hmm. and you forget the mics are there. Like one of the weird things about this format right now is we can't forget that we're being recorded. <laughs> like literally it is part of the setup. Yeah. Um, Whereas I think the nice thing with not having the mics and looking at each other is eventually you forget the mics there. Yeah. You know, which can be good or bad because then people start doing this to the mic or doing this, and I'm like, I hate you because then I have to fix that. Um, and I mean, I've gotten good at, at dealing with that shit, but I think I tried to I I lure people in the false senses of security so that then I can get them to say the worst things possible. <laughs> they look back on and think, how did I, how did I talk about that? Nah. Um. I don't even remember what the question was. I can't remember either. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what. 
I'll, okay, well, I'll say it in a question. Oh, how do you deal with, how do you get a good guess? Would that guy be a good guess? I guess oh, the yeah, answer yeah. to that is, is like, that guy would be a good guess starting at maybe the 30 minute mark. Because the okay. first 29 minutes, he's going to have his preconception of what the podcast should be. Mm-hmm. But by minute 30, he's finally started to forget that the mic's there and he's just hanging out with me. Yeah. And then that's when the interesting things will start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you prefer uh, no podcasts at all? I maybe I will mentally like run through a series of topics that I'm concerned about, but almost inevitably when I come into a podcast when they talk about something, I end up cutting that part. Yeah. Yeah. So like one thing I've done with like the second season of the podcast is I've come in like I have a general vision where I want us to talk about things that are going to be important in the next five years, like. We could go in and talk about GameStop stock, mm-hmm. or like what's important right now in the news. Um, you know, January, what's what's important? What's in the news? Uh, Omicron. Okay. Omicron. We could talk about Omicron, like other, but Omicron's gonna be dated in like two months. Mm-hmm. Like it's gonna have gone through the population, right? So you go back and listen to some of those. Like there's podcasts that do that sort of thing, and you go back and listen, and it's like, well, this isn't really a very like revisitable object. Uh, it's not very timeless, and so maybe in that sense, I've prepared big picture, but um, and I have that in the back of my mind when I'm talking to someone, like, hey, I want to get into something that you know someone could play six. I could up, I could post six months from now, and that will still be relevant. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like actually what I'm going to talk about, no, no, I no. found it better to just go with the flow of the conversation. Well, I don't have any experts on. Yeah. That's the difference. I think if I had an expert on, I would have maybe a set of questions. Then also it becomes like, in some sense, deciding on the question is deciding on the answer. Like, I could ask, I could bring somebody on, like the guy we met, we were seeing last night. He's obviously has a wide range of interests and a wide range of knowledge. If I want, if I start preparing a series of like, questions about his anti-vax opinions, Mm -hmm. then like all of a sudden it's turned like into a conversation between me, a non-qualified person, and him, a non-qualified person, on this subject. And like all of a sudden, like his whole identity is as an anti-vaxxer. Like all the interesting things about him disappear. So I've already like, by deciding on the question, I've already excluded all the interesting parts from the podcast. Like if you think of Joe Rogan, some of the best parts of Joe Rogan are you'll get some guest on there and he'll talk about like the persons that they're a director or their musician and that's what they're talking about for the longest time. And that more often than not is quite boring. Mm-hmm. But it's when they start talking about like whiskey or about like or a, a, a subject that has nothing to do with either of their expertise that the podcast becomes interesting. Yeah. And I think it's important to almost maybe go for that sometimes. Yeah. It's find out the, the niche subject that no one really knows about them. If it's a specific person, let's say a famous person who's going on the podcast, there's going to be a lot of information that everyone already knows about that person. So if you if you in the conversation find something that not everybody knows, then it's... Yeah, well not even like, okay, so let's say like maybe the most interesting thing would be to get into an argument with him about pizza. In the end, it's like literally what is most entertaining, because this we're not this isn't like art what we're doing. This is this is this is making food, right? Like we're not artists, okay, in the sense of the podcast. Mm-hmm. 
we're just serving like and the one part it's like being a stand-up comedian if the audience isn't laughing like you're not doing your job if the audience isn't entertained then you're not doing your job so you know if him and i have a shouting match about pizza that could theoretically be very entertaining yeah. for the listener so it's not even about uncovering some aspect of them it's just what conversation is engaging okay um, so when you build a podcast you finish it and you look at it how do you notice what is the engaging for the listener? I cut out the parts that bore me. Yeah? Yeah. And more more likely than not, I used to do a lot of editing throughout. Now I just, I cut everything from the start to when it gets interesting. And then, then whenever it starts to trail off, I cut everything after that. And that tends to be the podcast. Okay. And if like someone drops the N-word or retard or something in there, yeah. then I, I, go, I, go in and, I go in and chop that part out. Um, but so, you're fucked now. I don't chop anything out. No, that's fine. I'll <laughs> say all the bad words if I have to. I mean, I'm not actually prejudiced. No, I'm. I am. I am very prejudiced because I use bad words. Yeah. It is. It is. Uh, one cannot use bad words ironically. The mere use of a bad word is a moral sin which cannot be forgiven, and for which one must be burned yeah. summarily. That's creeping into England more and more. Yeah, like we're watching it. I remember watching like, uh, so I say John Peterson when he started doing the, someone videoed him arguing with like activists outside the college and they, they were like talking about, yeah, you're not using pronouns. It was like, it mainly stayed over there, but it's just slowly over time creeping into the UK, that type of like cancel culture. Or, Cause you're not using someone's pronouns. Yeah. And it's, it's anything to be honest. It's like if someone do you hate do you hate transgender people? Is that why you don't want to use their pronouns? <laughs> I never said that. I don't want to use a pronoun. Don't put words into my mouth. <laughs> no, I and when I when I start to think about it, it's just like well, it doesn't particularly bother me that much. Like it's not like someone's got a gun to my head and saying like you must fucking call me this name. It's like so actually I was when I went back to England in the butchers. There was a transgender person working at the butchers and he or she was 15 or 16 and she was in her last year of high school before she got to college and then I was just talking to him or her and I was just asking questions about it but then I noticed everyone else a lot of people who weren't there were like I don't know how a mum has let her do this and make these decisions but then having a conversation with her it was more just understanding that it's just a human being at the end of the day. And they, they or she or he even accepted that it's the possibility that it could just be a phase that they're going through, which they openly said. But to categorise transgender people and say like, oh, they're all just trying to control and make it easy for it's like, eh, not really. I don't know. Everyone, if you look at everyone from an individual level, then you treat people as individuals, and that's the same with transgender people, same with right-wing people, same with left-wing people. But at the moment, it seems to be the main focus is on like transgender people. And I don't know a lot about that issue, but I, do, I still just speak to people as individuals. I think, okay, I think, so if, you're, if we're talking about just like cancel culture, or, or like what you can say and what you can't say, man, this One Direction, I think big in the UK still. 
Uh, They're all split up though, right? Yeah, Harry Styles. Harry Styles. Yeah. Harry Styles is cool. Yeah, he's a pretty cool guy. He, he doubles in psychedelic drugs, I think. Yeah. Harry Styles, yeah. Um, I think, how do I put it? It's an interesting problem where I, it's one of the things where like, if you have a, an FM, if you have a stereo system, you know, and it only gets up to like 99.9 hertz, or whatever the frequency is. I don't know if they're kilohertz or hertz. But if you get the frequency of waves and you don't get anything above that, then you don't actually hear the signal above that, right? And I do think with the podcast, I've only, I haven't had anybody with anything I've done come back to me and be like, hey, that was hate, boy, that was awful. Mm. I have tried posting as the podcast on Twitter and had random Twitter bots say mean things to me. Yeah. But So I just deleted our Twitter because mm -hmm. I was like, I don't need, I don't even know if these are real people, mm -hmm. right? So literally nobody that I know is an actual person from either side of the spectrum has come to me with a, with a deep heartfelt concern about any of the content on the podcast. And so it's kind of like, I think part of it is, is a lot of that negativity is coming on certain frequencies. Mm -hmm. And I think you just have to shut those frequencies out because I don't think they're real. You know, I mean, there are, there are people who are, you know, yeah, so it's just like, why, why even listen to that? I think that's one. I think two, a lot of it is just regurgitated, right? A lot of it is like people want to be good people and then like corporations, I don't know, they want to maintain their public image. And so everybody, there's a certain contingent of people who also just want to be ahead of the times. Um, and so they'll adopt whatever the most radical proposition is at the moment. And I think you just have to like, those people are gonna have a problem with whatever the thing is of the moment, whether it's true or not. I'm not saying that like activism is always bad, is not what I'm trying to argue. But it's a certain sense that at some point, somebody's gonna have a problem with everything you do. Like there's somebody out there for whom you are just not the bee's knees. Um, and it's not because, it may just be because they read a book or they read somebody's tweet and so they think that like you're the problem. And so I guess you can't really take what they say seriously. Um, so I think if you like, if you just understand that there's a certain port, like there's, there's avenues where this speech happens, right? And you just cut those out of your life because they're really not important or necessary avenues of speech. And you also realize that a certain amount of the discourse out there is just parrots talking. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what the parrots are repeating is worthless gobbledygook put out there by corporations or politicians for their own purposes. Then the actual quantity of criticism which you have to concern yourself about is rather small. Um, because most people out there aren't attacking you if they know you're well-intentioned. Um, or at the very least, they're trying to engage with you and engage with you intellectually. They're not just attacking you. So, I don't know. Cancel culture is real. Like, if you're Louis C.K. and you confess to asking women to mass, asking you if you could masturbate in front of women, and then you like lose your movie contracts, you know, on some level, like you can, to the extent that your income is dependent upon third parties funding you you can lose income. 
but it's like what we're not certainly in that po like portion of the population. We're in the portion of the population that is better served by being controversial so that we can break through. So it's almost, I think cancel culture exists, but I think the people who it actually affects are a very small sliver of people who can lose huge contracts like that, you know, in a day. We can't, I mean, who's gonna, I mean, we can not get a job because someone sees we have a podcast. That's about the extent yeah. of our ability to be canceled. I highly doubt that somebody who's hiring people is gonna go to the Soap Podcast episode three, LSD, and yeah. listen to me talk about LSD for a 40 minutes. I mean, that's, what, that's why I started thinking it's going, realistically, when I started thinking of jobs, even my auntie, who has quite a successful business, she said what they mainly look at is, um, look at the CV, then they also just go on social media. Okay, if you've got blasted all of the social media, what you're doing with your life, then I guess that might cause you a few issues. But I feel like if you're talking about a subject, honestly and truthfully, you might mess up somewhere down the line. But it's better to actually have that conversation than to not have it at all. Because if you are, obviously if you're completely coming out with racist and homophobic comments, then someone's going to be like, all right, mate, come on, you shouldn't be talking like that. But I think now it's, someone says a word, you said it before, it's like someone says the N-word or someone says one word wrong, and it's like, this person is awful. And it's, like, it's more complicated than that. Like that someone's life is more complicated than that. There's a girl in England who's going for like a, a cancel culture at the moment called Molly May. And she's a creative director of Pretty Little Thing, I think it's called. It's like a Pretty Little Liars maybe? No, it's it's no. a it's a fashion company. And yeah, okay. the company's dog shit, like it's like tests on dogs and they, they kill the a dog during the trials yeah. and she put she went on this CEO podcast. And was talking about how everyone's got this, these same 24 hours in the day. Theoretically, that's true. But someone clipped it and put it on TikTok and was like, oh, wow. Just if you buy, then they put like, if you buy, you can, if you're homeless, just buy a house, taking the piss, like saying. Yeah. But, and it is, it's understandable that people in that situation like her took advantage of what she's in. But then it became like, uh, someone else has said this about her. So people started putting assumptions against what she actually said. And when watch what she said, it's not like she said, people in poverty are not meant to. I don't know, people, she didn't like definitely critique people in poverty, but it was just a statement of, if everyone's got 24 hours, you've got to work hard to get where you are, which is true. No matter the situation, it's like, okay, you could be born into a wealthy family, you could be born into a poor family. It's understandable that someone in a wealthy family has more opportunities to get there. That's, every, I think everyone can admit that. People in poverty are gonna to struggle to get there, but the, the mindset of like really, really working hard means you're gonna progress into something. But the whole cancel culture means that instead of considering a point, it's just like, well, let's just see what someone tweeted about. Ha ha ha, I think the same thing. And it's like, the, what actually got said gets lost. And people just associate with what everyone else has said with that actual person. Right, but I think, I mean, I think the best thing is just don't buy a radio that has those frequencies. Like, if you just didn't search her name mm. or didn't read Twitter, 
or didn't listen to podcasts that are like talking about the hot scandal of the moment, then like you wouldn't even know she was in trouble. Or, or if, and I guess like we, we're a different party, but if you're her, right? What are the actual concrete repercussions she's faced? Are people yelling at her in the store? Are people firing her from her job? Are people, are people like, are her family disowning her? Probably not. I think all of the above is about, so literally if you just stopped listening to all that negativity, your life would be the exact same minus the negativity. Yeah. Well, I start to think, so there's someone, I've seen a post and it was like, she got caught or there was a report that went into a factory that was making the clothes, I'm probably getting this completely wrong, and they were paying like £3.80 an hour in England, which is yeah. like £6 less than the minimum wage. Maybe I think the minimum wage is like £9 for someone who's over 21, I think that's right. And yeah, it's like, that's awful and they need to do something about it. But it's like, if you, if you what, what irritates me is like you really, really give a shit about it, then just don't buy from that company. Boycott it yourself. Don't enable it and don't hold these influencers at such a high level where you idolize them and like, oh my God, they're amazing because they put this fashionable post on Instagram with the, the clothes that they're wearing. I want to look like that. And then you find out that what they're actually doing is unethical. It's like, well, yeah. And when you actually look into loads of companies, people slagging her off on Twitter from their iPhones. And when you look at Apple, and we, yeah, I've got fucking, I've got a MacBook, I've yeah. got loads of different stuff, but I still know the, the things that Apple do, which are wrong. Yeah, but you didn't use so much chosen pronoun. So it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, it's okay if, if people are working in conditions that make them want to kill themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as you use the right pronouns. It is weird. It's like what things we've chosen that are like the moral hills will will die on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think it's, I don't, like just some shit isn't even worth paying attention to. And I, I think people have forgotten that. I really think some shit just really isn't worth listening to. Um, and like some are, even some are like, some like, yeah, like, I'm happy to discuss things with people. Um, If it's like a sincere discussion, I just, whatever. Like, okay, cancel culture exists. My, I still go to Bila. Like my life is literally the exact same whether or not some slaghead on Twitter is calling me a neoliberal fascist, Mm. right? You know, as I I fall asleep holding my Trump pillow at night, I... You make America still, great again. I, I make yeah. America great again by just not giving a fuck. Um, I, I, got, I got a MAGA just tattooed across my tits. Um, M-A-G-A-A. Don't ask what the second A is for. But, um, but no, it's like, it literally just does If you just decide one day those people don't exist, they literally stop existing. Because mm. it's not like... Like we're 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 hardwired, I think, to care if we feel like our community is criticizing us, and we definitely like people who disappeared during COVID, right, and have stayed in their houses. When they go out again, they got COVID weird. Like mm-hmm. we were talking yesterday, and it's like certainly we need social cues. Like we regulate our own behavior based on social cues. Like in a certain sense, like sanity is social. Mm-hmm. Like sanity is socially conditioned. Like who's to say that like it's not more sane for everybody to like be scratching their face all the day like if everybody started scratching their face everybody would scratch their face and it would be weird not to scratch your face 
So in some sense, like two plus two can't equal five. Like there's a certain level of, of societal behavior which is subjective and which we have agreed upon. And like to be sane is to be like other people. Like it's quite insane for me to not be Catholic in my community of like of where I came from of like very religious people. Now, now intellectually, it's quite reasonable in my opinion to not be Catholic because big scary guy world, you know. I think that's kind of silly, but it's really not a question of the logic, it's a question of what people do. So what I, the point I'm trying to get at is, this is, like so much of our consciousness is determined by society, and we're processing things like Twitter and clickbait articles as though they are social cues, as though they're cues from people we interact with, and as though they're like, someone saying a nasty thing about us at the local cafe. Mm. Whereas, and so I think like, in a certain sense, you can't escape your own wiring. Like if you consume that stuff, you're going to process it like it's, it's social cues. So at some point you just have to cut those social cues out because they're like, because it's, it's not real. It's literally none of it is real. Mm -hmm. And you don't even know if those people are real people. I just, I kind of like, Cancel culture has become this boogeyman, and I'm not saying it doesn't exist, um, or that there's not like hordes of angry bisexual, like lesbian liberal college graduate graduates, like cutting their hair short and selling the proceeds from their haircutting to like wage spear war upon male anti feminists. Like I'm not saying that that contingent of people doesn't exist. I'm not saying they're not brandishing their bras and lighting them on fire so that they can set fire to the cottages <laughs> of the of the uh, of the heterosexual couples of England. Like I'm sure there's some portion of the Twitter sphere which is real people who are quite happy to use a book to beat a a young conservative to death in the you know in the hallways of Bila. But by and large, you don't even know if those people exist. You don't know if it's just flame wars. You don't know if you're just trying to get likes. Like, none of it has any value. The only value it has is if it costs you a job. It's literally nothing. It's, it's people who don't know what they're talking about, who may or may not be real, bullshitting on a platform that you can just as very well ignore. Mm. So it's like, I don't know, I could get mad about like what, the thing is, I can get mad about Twitter, right? I'm not getting, there might be people in that building over there yeah. who are literally assaulting their cat. Yeah. Sexually, physically, mentally, who are just taking a stick and beating the shit out of their cat. But you know what? It doesn't bother me because I don't know what's happening. Yeah. And that is objectively worse than what is happening on Twitter. Mm -hmm. The only problem is with Twitter, it's, you can, I see it. Yeah. I can't just like, oh, I see them. Like beating their cat, like I don't see it, so I don't doesn't get me angry. Mm. So it's not like like someone out there is talking shit on you. Someone out there is like Edward is the biggest cocksucker I have ever met. He is a piece of shit. I hate him. I hope he dies a fiery crash. But you don't know they're saying it, yeah. and so it doesn't bother you. And so it's like I think it's perfectly reasonable just to like they don't exist. It's like the the value they add to your life is negligible if any value is added. So just like, gone, mm. you know. Do you think you can go a little, do you think you get a little disconnected though? By Absolutely not. I think yourself. you get disconnected 
by the virtual discourse. You're disconnected from reality. If reality is not what is in that box, and reality is what you experience on a day-to-day -day basis, you are not experiencing your day-to-day -day reality. You are experiencing your day-to-day -day reality filtered through the lens of that box, which is not the same thing. Like, like literally, your day might have been great. You might have woken up, had a delicious breakfast, got a coffee, called a friend, went to the store, went for a walk, and that was your day, and it's fine. But you might have started off the day reading some flame war on Twitter about like omnisexual refrigerators, and then like the whole day would have been shit, even though nothing in your life was actually bad mm -hmm. that day. It's not reality. It's absolutely not. None of it is happening in real life. Protests, I guess, happen like somewhere, mm -hmm. and I, that's about it. But putting words on a screen put together well about a particular politician or government that critiques and then you get 10,000 likes, it's like, yes. But I mean, okay, and there, there is something to be said for like legitimate cultural discourse. Like there's a discourse that happens over topics that I don't think like you should just ignore, like don't form an opinion on anything. I think that's stupid. But I think it's like, okay, if I wanna take someone whose opinion and intellect I respect and once in a while consume their views on various topics, so that I can engage with those views. That's one thing. If I just, like some regurgitator of a regurgitator of a, of a regurgitated corporate line about transgender issues is like screaming on Twitter and has 10,000 likes, it doesn't mean it has any value. Mm -hmm. It's not actually like helping me be engaged with the discourse. It's just adding negativity into my life. It's, it's detracting from my happiness. Did you have social media platforms before? Because now you're quite off-grid. I have to. I used to actually be far more off-grid. I didn't have a computer for a little bit. Yeah? Yeah. Didn't have a cell phone or a computer. Holy shit, man. That's... Yeah. And it was... I mean, now with the podcast, with music, with writing, it's like I have to have an avenue to advertise. And it's the only way to advertise, social media. Um... In some ways, my life was better. You definitely, there was, a, there was a point at which it did negatively impact because you don't, most people talk shit on Facebook, um, but most invites to events, maybe it's different now, maybe they go out on TikTok, they go out somewhere, but most event invites don't happen even over text. They happen through some kind of message, through some kind of online platform. And so if you're not online, you do miss like, outings so yeah uh, yeah i'd say organized events but some some of them outings like do you really want to be going to them? i i think i found so i did the same i got rid of my iphone yeah and i didn't have an iphone for nine months and i started knocking but i found out that i was actually, i felt more sociable without the Right, no, I still have the flip phone. I don't, yeah. I don't, this is just a work phone and I use it, I have Spotify Premium, so I'm, I have a free trial, so I'm listening to it on that. So no, I, I use this most of the time, but I mean, you have to have some method of being online. Like yeah. this, having this all the time isn't great, having your smartphone all the time for the audio only people. Um, but you have, at some point in the day, it's valuable to like, hey, there's a jam going on. You can find out there's a jam going on in the city through the internet, because mm -hmm. no one is like texting you about every jam, or there might be a New Year's Eve party and you find out about the New Year's Eve party online. Like it's very rare, rare that anyone is 
And just try tracking. Like anytime you get invited to do something, where does that message come from? Now you, I know I have to text, mm -hmm. but anybody else that's online or on Facebook, I just Facebook message them. I don't even text them. Yeah. So uh, it's arguable. I don't even have all their numbers, people I Facebook message. So it's, that was what I found is when I, when I really cut down to the bare minimum, I actually started not hearing about things. Um, cause for, like most people, you're not that important to them. Like, they wouldn't mind having you at their thing, so they'll invite you, but if it's, like, effort to invite you, they forget you exist. So, I do see the value of social media. Um, I don't, it's hard to, like, I mean, if you've already, if you're Joe Rogan, you probably can go without it, right? Because you don't need to advertise your goods. People are seeking out your goods mm -hmm. before you even advertise them. But for people like you and me, I think it's, I think it's indispensable. Because if we don't post about our things being up, then just no one will consume them. No one knows it exists. Right. I think that Joe Rogan as well will have probably someone doing his posts. Well, he's got someone doing his posting, someone doing his audio production, someone doing his filming. Yeah, 100%. So when you have no, how long did you have no computer or film for? I had the no, they weren't simultaneous. So I had the no computer for I think three a semester, so three months maybe. No phone for, actually, computer might have been longer. About six months with the computer, three months, two or three months with the phone. Did you find that when so what, what I was doing was having just my, my phone? Then for a while, I turned actually turn my phone off. I was just using my computer, but then I'd find like my attention would just go somewhere else, whether that be positive or negative. Like I got, I'd say in like March this year, or sorry, February last year. Like January, February, March last year. 2021. Yeah, I got really into crypto. But then instead of being on my phone all the time, I was just on my laptop, like just watching these graphs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can be just as addicted to a laptop as you are to your phone. It's not, there's nothing special about it. Yeah. So I, I got, I think I got rid of all social media. Then I even removed myself from group chats and everything. Yeah, but then there's still YouTube. Like, yeah. the internet is still a very addictive place. And that's what I find myself doing, just watching YouTube videos. For and I, I think it's literally addictive. I think it's addictive in the same way cigarettes are addictive. Why do you think that? Because of that release you get, that scroll and then find the video that you want. I, just, I don't know. I don't know how they do it. Because you don't even, it's not even satisfying, right? But you feel dirty after. At least with a cigarette, you feel good. Yeah. Um, for when I got here, I finished my job in June. And then I was starting the teaching job in late August. It was like, oh, I've got all this found time. And in my head, I was like, yeah, I'm going to spend so much time on music and recording and traveling. And a lot of the time, it would just be like, Christine will go to work. And then like, I'd be like, getting up. It just get a lot, got later and later when yeah. I get up. One day, I go to like three in the afternoon. And I'd just be watching YouTube for eight, like eight hours. And you'd be watching like top five crocodile encounters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, why, why the fuck? And then, like, you can't turn yourself away. Like, you like get halfway through and you're like, oh, I gotta finish it though. <laughs> and, like, if you literally you had never started, you wouldn't have cared a day in your life. Um, no, it's definitely ha has happened to me. Uh, it's a constant struggle. You know, sometimes I've lived without internet. Mm -hmm. that, that helped when I was in the States. I didn't have internet, so when I came home, I had to be focused on, or I had to read, or I had to take mm -hmm. a nap, or I had to have something downloaded to enjoy. So I was more mindful about what I was enjoying. When I got here, though, 
not having it, I just felt so isolated that I eventually just, I got it again, because I just, I was more miserable without it than with it. Um, you know, generally, if I have a, a big project going on, like, I need something to work on. So, if, like, right now I've been trying to mix this album, mm -hmm. which has kept me from doing stupid things on YouTube, because it's like, if I'm going to, if I, like, have... Because I find that when I use YouTube, right, I'm just like binge podcasts or I'm, I'm like just clicking clickbait online. I'm usually slightly depressed, slightly bored, stressed, and like trying to avoid doing something I don't want to do. Um, so if I have something else that can take, like that I can, in those moments, because those moments are going to come for anyone, right? So if I have something else I'm working on at the time... I tend to do that, so I procrastinate on my, at my job by, I can either do it by watching YouTube or if I have this mixing to do, mm. I go work on the mixing. So, um, I find, yeah, that's, I wouldn't say that's how I deal with it, but it's how I've, like, if I, how do I stay productive? It's, you know, I don't, I hate leaving things unfinished, like, it's just a character trait of mine, so if I start something, I really want to finish it. And so I would, uh, when I have something unfinished that I'm supposed to be working on, I generally work on that. Um, but I think when it comes to something like I want to practice guitar every day for an hour, like I tell myself I'm gonna do it, right? I, I'm supposed to, I should go run every day. You end up not doing those things. Mm -hmm. Like those indeterminate, non-endpoint, non-project-based tasks that you give yourself for yourself betterment because everyone has a limit of willpower. I think there's this idea that like is sold in the whole Jordan Peterson verse mm -hmm. um, of like just willpower, willpower, willpower. And I think willpower is valuable in the short term. Like if you have something you don't want to do, or if you have something that will make your life better, then like you can and should take a series of small decisive steps for the short term to make improve your life. But life problems in the medium and long term are really only addressable by structural changes because there will come a time when, like, like when we, you need a release. Like, if your thing is ice cream, like, you're going to have ice cream again eventually, right? Mm -hmm. if, you, if your thing is YouTube videos, you're going to watch a YouTube video on the weekend. So just, like, I'm going to be strong and not do it, I don't think helps anybody. I think maybe figuring out, like, what is going on in my life where I am binge watching YouTube videos and like what kind of structural changes can I make to my life that maybe I'm only watching them two hours a day instead of eight hours. I think that goes a long way because I think, um, I don't think structural problems, I don't think willpower is an answer for them. You know, it's a, uh, you know, alcoholics and alcohol, like if, if it was as easy as that, I mean, alcoholics don't say alcoholics because of lack of willpower. You know, there's lots of people who try very hard to no longer be addicted to things. But they like also live with an abusive husband, or you know they have like they have a, they have a daughter, which. <laughs> <laughs> so, and so, if you got a daughter, you're gonna. Yeah, everyone has a daughter as an alcoholic, <laughs> on some. But you know what I mean? It's like they have they have something right, and it's like if you don't change that thing, that's underpinning the problem behavior. You're going to just find something. Even if you can successfully avoid the one thing through sheer willpower, you're going to find something else. 
Willpower is a short. Willpower is and only is a short-term solution. Mm -hmm. What do you think that the long-term solution would be for someone who's a alcoholic or addicted to something that's making their life worse? Oh, I think it depends on the person, right? I think, like, sometimes you're just in a shitty period of life. Like when I, that song, I, that track I was playing earlier. Mm -hmm. um, I was working on it when I was living in a town called Manhattan, and I had like a month and a half, I had been laid off from my job, and I was coming back to Prague, and so like I had this album to work on and not really much else to do. And I'd been living in Manhattan for six months, and I was kind of tired of this town. And so I worked on the album, and I watched NBA. Like that's really all I did all day. But I was still working on something, like I was still, like there wasn't really anything else for me to do in this time of my life. But it wasn't like I just said, well, screw it. I'm just going to eat ice cream and watch NBA all day and not do anything. Mm -hmm. So I think at some point, like, I think having an uneasy peace with the things you don't like about yourself. Like, I'm at this, like, I live in Prague and it's the middle of winter and I could decide right now, like, I'm going to get super healthy. But like, all I'm going to do is cause myself a lot of mental anguish if I think I'm going to get down to 180 pounds. So maybe the best I can do is like, I'm gonna go for a run most days of the week and I'm gonna eat a salad a day. And like, that's good enough. And I'm gonna like, try to work during work hours. And if I'm not going to work, I'm going to work on my music instead of watching YouTube. So I think you like, a bunch of series of uneasy pieces mm -hmm. is a good way. I think also like, if you're in a place and you're so miserable that the only escape is YouTube, then like get out of that place, you know? Or like go to a, like literally a space like go to a cafe for a few hours a day because there you might feel more inspired to work on things than being stuck in the same place. I don't know how you, I mean, I, you, I'm sure you have your side of this too, but that's how I see it. Well, deal again out of a bad place. I mean, yeah, at some, like on some level, just bad places are lived through. I don't know if they're always like, like bad places mentally or like bad periods of one's life. Like yeah. at some point you just are trying to get through what is in the moment a shitty situation. So you, I don't want to say you're just doing the best you can because like people use that as an excuse for all sorts of like shitty bad behavior. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm just watching TV six hours a day and eating ice cream all day. I'm just doing the best I can. Like bullshit you are. Um, but like some seasons of life are harder than others. And I think it's important to have mercy on yourself. Yeah, there's an acceptance of your issues. And you cannot solve everything, but you can make things better than they were. But I think the way, the way I deal with bad things in my life is that I've just learned to understand that you could go through a process where it's like everything's going pretty well at the moment. This is quite good. Just accept that it's going well and things are going bad, then okay, that's what's happening, what's causing this to happen and try to figure it out. But you can't expect when bad things are going to happen, which is why you probably get so distraught about it. Because it was like, oh things are going well, and then all of a sudden yeah. this has happened. And my approach to it is just by remaining sober. Because yeah. I feel like I am um, better mentally and I, I, I can just focus better when I'm in like a sober state of mind whereas when I'm not it's like my my mind is focused on 
doing something else which isn't as important. So say, obviously socialising is, impo is important. So what I noticed was when I used to socialise, it was all about the like, drinking alcohol. It's like, you have to drink beer, you have to be with the, your mates and drinking. But then I'd like be drinking, go home, basically pass out and dead, yeah. and wake up the next day feeling groggy. Whereas now it's like, I'm really engaged in, in the conversations when I'm out. And if I'm not, then I can decide, well, is this something I want to be doing? And then it, you start, I think you can become too critical though, where you kind of become a hermit and you don't really want to be seeing people. So I did that when I initially started drinking. I was like, oh, I don't want to see people because I'm going to end up in a situation where alcohol's there. But it's always most likely going to be there. You can kind of work your way around it, but you can't just abolish yourself from an area. For example, a pub or nightclubs. I was still going to pubs and nightclubs when I wasn't drinking because I wanted to prove to myself that I could still go out without drinking, which I did. But what I realised, I was like, oh, this is fucking shit. Why do I want to be doing this with my time when I can be focusing on music or travelling? And why do I want to be spending money to do this when I can just do other things with my life? And then when I get home after the, the night out or socialising, instead of feeling wasted and wake up the next day groggy, I'm waking up fine and then I can just continue focusing on what I want to do. So that's, that's my approach, just remaining sober. Yes, but I do think there come and like, how to put it, there come seasons of life, like it doesn't even necessarily have to be about what's happening around you, when you are just not, like I just feel like the willpower thing runs out eventually. Like God, I hope your willpower and such lasts you forever, but there's likely to be a day before the end of your mortal coil where you're just gonna kind of turn into a slob for mm -hmm. a little bit, for whatever reason. It might be that you break up with your girlfriend, it might be that just it's winter. No, like slobs are like you're gonna turn to a slob someday. And I think sometimes when you're a slob, what you have to do is you have to say, I'm gonna at least have gotten something done or gotten better at something by the end of the day, each day that was in a lesser state in the morning. And I'm eventually I have a plan in place to get me out of the shitty situation that is making me feel like a slob and making me feel worthless. Like, sure, I I myself sometimes feel quite motivated and quite like I'm going after it. But I've always found that eventually I run out of that. Mm -hmm. Eventually something happens. And um I don't have to take that as a defeat. Like if I'm not feeling it, there's still something I can work on. But there's still something I can do. Or there's some plan I can make to where I'm going to get out of, out of this place or out of this area or out of this relationship that is making me feel like shit. So, I don't know. I just kind of think that, like, when it comes to the whole... I, I, I think I go back to Jordan Peterson. Like, like, look, I think cleaning your room is different than like remodeling your basement. You're not, you don't have to remodel, remodel your basement every day. Like you should, if you find that like you have two weeks where the dishes have piled up and like all your laundry is dirty, then like you gotta pick yourself up. You're not really doing things. But, you know, I don't, I just don't think, I think willpower has its limits eventually. So, I don't know. I, yeah, well I, I think that 
So you can say you've got your willpower to, um, so I say, okay, you want to go for a run every day, but you might not go for a run every day, but you might do a 10 minute, 10 minute bit of a run, and you might get a little bit better. And you might not do a run, but you might go for a walk, but it's better than what you were doing before, before you had no willpower to do anything whatsoever. Yeah. Whereas now it's like, okay, at least you're doing something. I think you're not going to be like, you know, David Goggins is, you're not going to be like David Goggins fucking running while your feet are broken and you're doing crazy shit. That dude has to do coke. <laughs> David Goggins is definitely on cocaine. Like I, I don't have any, this is not, you know, I have no proof of this. <laughs> But that man is on some substances. He's on something. Because there's no way people are that hyped. That or he is a manic depressive who is in a 10-year manic state. I'm one of the two. There's just literally no one is like this. I mean, maybe there's like two people like this, mm -hmm. you know, in the world. And maybe that's just who he is. I just... Because then people have like, I'm going to... You know, it just becomes like nothing has ever started because nothing is ever perfect. Like people cannot make a perfect beginning... And so they never start. And people cannot, like, continue with their perfect plans, and so they give up. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a real danger of that with people. Um, and I think just doing a little bit. I just, I see the value in it. I mean, yeah, or it's like, okay, maybe you set yourself, I'm going to go for a 10-minute, I'm at least going to go for a 10-minute walk every day, right? And then one day you don't do it, and then some people are like, well, I screwed up. Guess I'm done. Guess I'm going back to to beating my wife and you know swinging out the bottle of Jack Daniels, yeah. you know. And that's what some people do. They 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 have some plan in place and it lasts for like three days, and and they never ask them, like and they they beat themselves up because I'm just not, you know. Eventually they get to the point where like I'm just not tough enough. I'm just not mm -hmm. wanting it enough. But the reason they're doing what they're doing on Thursdays is because they have a very stressful job, mm -hmm. and every time Thursday goes around, they never have a better way to deal with the stress of their job. So either they need to find a different kind of job or they need to handle stress differently or they need to find another outlet. Like they're not, beating yourself up over your lack of willpower is not actually helping you to solve the recurring problem, but it is making you feel shitty about yourself and keeps keeping you in the same habits. Does that make sense? Yeah, I understand because you, okay, let's say, let's say on a weekend you go, right, okay, went out Friday, Saturday. I've drunk, spent loads of money, blown all money. I've, I've kissed my ex-girlfriend, I've texted some weird shit. What am I this doing? sounds like me in college. <laughs> Dude, I, was, I, have I told you about drunk texting in college? No, you can tell I, me. No, I don't want to go deep into it. I want you to finish your thought. I just want to tell you, no man on earth has embarrassed himself over text. Like Jacob Yurok embarrassed himself from the years of 18, 19 to 22. I think a lot of people have. I really, I waged full on Armageddon against all human decency, propriety, and embarrassment. <laughs> um, I used to go to a bartender who went to the pub next door to my house, and I really fancied it. So good looking. And then I'd split up with my ex girlfriend, and I was just getting hammered all the time with mates. But I was in that pub, and it just got weird. It just got really weird. I ended up getting barred from the pub. And it was just like, I, the thing that was so bad about me as well, though, it was like, I didn't know what I said because I was getting hammered. And then I'd go in and then she'd be like, 
They were looking at me in disgust, and I'd be like, oh, fucking hell, I've done it again. Off the door. That's what I used to. I used to wake up. I used to wake up on a Sunday, and I'd be like, I'd got pissed Friday, Saturday, just in the same pub, and I'd wake up on a Sunday, and I'd know. I knew I'd done it. I was like, I don't know what I've done. What, what could you be like, oh yeah, I think you're very, I think you're very beautiful. I want to date you. Like, weird, that's not like, that. Weird, like, like an attention needy child. Like, yeah. saying they like, like fucking chasing her around the pub. It's really, it was weird. It was really weird. And then I was like, you'd wake up and I'd be going, oh no. Dude, that, oh, I know no. that feeling. Yeah. But it was like that for, I'd say, a few a few, a few times, quite multiple times, and it was just like I can't deal with this. Anyway, I can't deal with this cringe. Waking up on a that cringe was just unbelievable. And then, but then that led to like fucking bad anxiety because I was like, oh, I don't want to go on that pole. But then I'd go on the pole, be drinking, and anxiety would go. I, I lived in that state of waking up on Saturdays and Sundays, mm-hmm. thinking, what did I do? It was a constant cycle for me mm-hmm. where I would literally every Sunday I would wake up feel horrible hide myself away work on things intensely during uni eventually get to the point where I was just so stressed I just need to have some kind of release go out act like God's forgotten child and then it was it was a cycle mm-hmm. literally every week I lived in a constant constant state of this but it's hard to, how did you break the cycle or they just ended just. I think I mentioned this in our podcast, right? But like, I just got older. Yeah. You know, I think it's it's worthwhile to have. I don't even want to call it mercy. Just understand that there are periods of life, like there are seasons of life. Yeah. Like one of the seasons of life is being, you know, a stupid kid, and I mean you can beat yourself up for that, but you can all. I mean, I look back and. There were some women who found that appealing, that I was just so like, I was Mr. Rager, you know? I was like Kid Cudi without the fame or the fortune. Um, And so, you know, it's not even, I think, you know, I think I worked to like annihilate that part of my personality, even in some degrees, which has almost maybe been to my detriment. So I think just understand, like, I think being okay. You were were making some point before we got into this side topic. Do you want to go back to it? I have no idea what it was. Um, But I do think part of it is just understanding there are seasons of life and understanding that like parts of yourself that might have negative repercussions for you might also like be the cause of some of the good things in your life. So how can you minimize the bad and help the good? Mm -hmm. And I think just, I think Riffing off that, having mercy for other people, right? I think that we have this notion of virtue-based ethics in Western society where we are like, there is good behavior and bad behavior. And like you, it is possible to avoid bad things and do good things. But I think that in practice and reality, good and bad are closely allied. And what people are, they are different kinds of people. You might be a very impetuous person. You might be a very passionate person. You might be a very rational person. And each of these kind of things has its good and its bad side. And you can't get rid of one without also getting rid of the other. Mm -hmm. So I think just also like having, giving people a wide moral birth where most people are generally trying to be good people and they fuck up every once in a while. And I also, myself, fuck up every once in a while. 
And so let me, you know, it's like the for, judge not lest ye be judged, right? I think there's really a lot of wisdom in that saying of Christ because I think it's I think it'd be better phrased as judge not for ye should ye should also be judged. Mm-hmm. Like the things you're judging other people on, they have as much right to be judging you on. And you give yourself quite a bit of leeway of mercy, like, well, it's this situation and this time, usually I'm good, and I feel bad about it, and I would make amends if I could. And I think then um, I think give people that same wide moral berth. Um, and stop, I think also stop, like, I'm not good enough person, I'm not good enough, but like, the things that, that you do that are bad, that you feel bad about, they, they might be part of like a good quality of yours too. Like, you just have to accept yourself as a flawed, complicated human being. You're not, like, we're not building robots in a lab of the ideal human here. We're like, just trying to be ourselves. Mm-hmm. I think it's that idea of redemption where, okay, someone might be in a shit place now, you might yourself might be in a bad place, but if you give yourself the idea that, okay, you fucked up, but it's not the end of the world. And I think now, if, if we say cancel culture, going back to that, yeah. people can fuck up, but it feels like the end of the world. Well, no, I actually, I hate the idea of redemption. I think okay. redemption is bullshit. Because okay. I sent, you know, I'm probably, uh, what's the line? I'm probably good. That's the truth. Anyway, there's some song where it's like, I did it before, and I'm probably going to do it again. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm sorry I did it the first time. It's probably going to happen again at some point. It's like this whole idea, and I do think it's like something that we've subconsciously pulled out of Christianity, where there's like a moral before and after. Like there's some event that happens in people's lives, except that there's no longer a Christ we have to blame it on. So now we just blame it on like, I got woke, or like, I got, some, I got sober, or I got... Not, not dishing on your thing, but, or like, I got, I don't know, I got abroad, or I got, I read a book. People have some moment, and they have this, like, internalized, subconscious belief that, like, there are moments of redemption in people's lives, and there's a clear before you were saved and after you were saved. Like, before you were redeemed and after you were redeemed. It's quasi-religious. And I think it's one of these things where it's not about, like, having sinned and then doing your due penance and being forgiven and coming back into the church and being saved by Christ's blood. It's like, look, I did this thing I shouldn't have done. I'm sorry I did it. God knows there's probably going to be some moment in the future of my weakness where I'm going to do it again. Like, I think the whole cancel, like, people's argument against the cancel culture thing is like, look, we shouldn't be hard on people for things they did 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. But my, my thing with it is, we shouldn't be hard on things that like we should we should have a certain level of mercy for things people did five minutes ago. Right? It's like we should be helping people to get better. It's like we shouldn't like people don't change. People are relatively the same throughout their lives. They get better or they get worse. Season I just this whole notion of redemption, I don't think it's how people actually work. Okay. I think Kevin. Oh no, no, that's uh I think when I, when I think of redemption, I think of maybe your point where you said it's seasons of yeah. your life, so you can go through um, good and bad stages. But I think that you okay. go you go through a bad stage yeah. and realize that okay, I went through a bad stage there, but I was then taken out of other people, and maybe if some situation comes up again where that happens, I can reflect and I know how to deal with that better. And I can, instead of being a negative person, I can be 
a, a positive person. So when I see yeah. redemption, it's like, okay, I fucked up, but I'm going to do my best to make sure that I do the right thing to correct it. And I don't, yeah. I don't think it's like, uh, they've completely changed as a person. Yeah. I just think it's maybe, say if I've done, me and your friends, I fuck you over, and then I, I really notice what I've done. I'm yeah. like, oh shit, I fucked that up. You have every right to say, well, I don't accept your apology. And I could do what I, I could take that and say, well, I've just lost you as a friend. Yeah. But the idea of redemption is still there. It's like you try to do what you seem to be a better thing, but then you've learned from that. No, but I think, oh, to take an example with the girl at the bar, there might very well come a day 10 years from now when you do that exact same thing to a girl at a bar. And I guess there's a certain kind of thing, argument in cancel culture, where it's like, Look, he was, he was bothering women at bars, but that was 17 years ago, and he doesn't do that anymore. But it's like, I guess it doesn't seem that, I'm gonna actually kind of, I'm gonna respond to your point there. Where it's like, I don't seem, I don't really think it, it deals with the realities of life, which is our vices tend to creep up at our weakest moments, and we have our favorite vices, and we find ourselves in spite of our better judgment, and in spite of ourselves, and in spite of our own self-loathing, doing the things we hate about ourselves repeatedly. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, yeah, and so, I mean, I'm, I'm as guilty as anyone, you know. I definitely would harass the shit out of some people in university, and I can get back and kind of, once in a blue moon, I do similar things. I mean, when I say harass the shit, I wasn't like grabbing people's asses like in the street, like not sexually assaulting yeah. people, but like I can, I can, be too persistent with people mm. and it's I can get caught up in the emotional thing of the moment and I can avoid it better in the future sure but it's good I guess I want to be forgiven if I do something wrong in the future like I don't want I don't want the standard for my like for I don't want the I don't want my forgiveness of my past me the misdeeds to be contingent upon never doing a wrong thing for the rest of my life because I'm going to do something wrong so please forgive me for the bad things I've done and please also forgive me in the future for the wrong things I will do. And like, not, not in the sense that like, I'm not trying to be a better person or a good person, but just like, there will come a day when I will need forgiveness. You know, I'm going to turn, there, I'm, there's, there's going to be some day when my wife's going to leave me and my kid's going to tell me I'm a piece of shit and I'm going to need people to like, I'm not going to be my best self during that time. You know, I just, I understand what you're saying. It's like saying, accepting that people have flaws, it's likely that something might happen and it could occur again in the future. So, as you just said to me, I was about the girl in the bar. Yeah. I know that that could possibly happen again in the future. Yeah. But I've laid out certain aspects of my life and structure to make sure that doesn't happen again. Yeah. But there's a possibility, there's nothing stopping me going to a pole getting wasted other than myself. Yeah. There's nothing stopping me. So you have to accept that it's a possibility. One story I can give you is so right now, uh, so I, this this is like my second serious relationship that I'm in. First serious relationship. I've heard all about that. You've heard all about it, yeah. Gone awful. <laughs> right. So I, I cheated on multiple fucking times. Yeah. Um, my issue now is like, Oh, that fear, that fear keeps yeah. in going, oh, I could, get, could be getting cheated on. And it's complete irrational nonsense, but it's a possibility. And once I learn to accept that, 
it's a possibility. Doesn't mean that my girlfriend is or isn't going to do it, but it's a possibility that someone could cheat on you. That's a possibility. You can't control it. No. And I'm going to say, I was in a relationship not too long ago mm -hmm. where I realized for the first time, man, cheating would be nice. Because it's like you got something you can always rely on, but then something really nice comes along, you just screw around with it. And like, I just, I never really understood cheating, but I finally understood it. Because it's like, oh, this thing I got's okay, but you know, why not? <laughs> and then you shouldn't because it's very hurtful to the other person. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying you should, but I just realized that like, you know, it's like, okay, you, as a male, you're like always trying to get laid. It's so hard, so hard, so hard. But if you can just like reliably get laid, but sometimes get laid even better. And like, there's never that like gray area of like, having to work like there's just always something available you know it's like the dream see i understand this point all right so i think i'm gonna make myself a coffee as you explain this yeah it's fine okay. make some coffee uh i understand your point like I, I so i understand why people do it it's like okay yeah there's it's not turned on it's not okay i gotta plug it in uh i understand that people do it uh, there's no milk left, by the way, so okay. that's okay. Uh, so it's like you understand why people do it, but it doesn't mean it's right. No, absolutely not. It's like, yeah, there's an attractive person who's giving you attention. It's, it's what's going to happen is wait. It's got to warm up. Yeah, just let it warm up and then. Okay. So there's an attractive person giving you attention. And it's interesting. It's like, oh, wow, this is pretty good. Yeah. But what would you lose? from doing that. Oh, but you, you could get away with it, but then that's gonna mentally uh, traumatize you for a good while. And I think from people, I know people who have cheated on people and I feel like that's what happens. Like the relationship in the long run is likely to fail because Oh yeah, oh yeah, they'll, they'll feel guilty, they'll eat themselves up, or they'll tell the other person they won't have any more trust. Definitely, um, you gotta pull that out and then press right. the Talking to you, listener, as I make my coffee. Look, coffee machines are great. I'm gonna tell you a story. So when I first got to prom, changed my life. So I came from the United States. Life was whatever, you know. Just gonna kill myself, kill everyone around me, you know. Commit jihad as as one does from one to mid twenties. No, I'm not a jihadist. I'm not a jihadist or a mass murderer. But I did come to prom in the early days. I went to this, this hostel called Sir Toby's Hostel. If you haven't been, and you go to prom, go to Sir Toby's. Check-in's okay, there's, there's lots of good hostels. Sir Toby's, 10 out of 10, would fuck again, would marry, would date, would draw, would introduce to my parents. I don't know, love Sir Toby's. Would, oh, this, oh, water! Uh, I don't know. Anyway, Sir Toby's. And they had a breakfast buffet. Breakfast buffet, 150. Cute French girl serving the bar. And you, 150 crowns, it's like, it's like six bucks, United States dollars. And uh, they had this coffee machine. And all my life in America, I've had drip coffee, 
You know, I tried an Americano. By the way, Americans don't drink Americanos, okay? Everyone thinks Americans drink Americanos. We don't drink Americanos. Americans hate Americanos. Nothing worse than an Americano. All right, so if you're drinking Americanos because you think that's what Americans drink, you're an idiot, and you should kill yourself. But anyway, so I got here, and they had one of these machines. And this machine is it's kind of watered down. It's not my favorite. But they had a machine at Sir Toby's Hostel which made me the best cup of coffee I've ever had. Like, I saw God drinking this coffee. I saw Jehovah descending down from the heavens and kissing Mary Magdalene's head and forgiving all her sins as I sipped this coffee. And so what I'm telling you, listener, is come to Sir Toby's Hostel in Prague, drink coffee from their coffee machine, and it's a religious experience, and you will see God. I thought you moved on from the religious... Stuff. Everything's religion. Yeah. I think uh, I think there's a lot of uh, religious thinking that underpins um, the way we conceive of things in society without our realizing that it's the heritage of religion. Okay. The idea that that uh, and you know who's really good at this is Nietzsche. So the guy we were talking about the dude last night about mm -hmm. yeah what we're talking with the dude last night about. Nietzsche is one of these guys who's like, one of his big things is like, look, we really exist, even though we think we're a, we're a, we're a urbane, mm, I don't know, a religious society, a lot of our conceptions are really underpinned by Christian beliefs. So the idea that like, what is true must be good, or that like the pursuit of truth is a worthwhile thing and will lead to better happiness is really not a Grecian idea if you think of the story of Oedipus Rex. The pursuit of truth is what leads to his downfall. Like, literally, his blindness and his exile is, is a result of his pursuit of truth. But in Christianity, truth is equivalent to God, the word is equivalent, equivalent to Christ, and so we've just kind of inherited this notion that pursuit of the true is also the pursuit of the beautiful and the good, and will lead to our own satisfaction, is really a uniquely Christian idea. I mean, and I think it's one of those Christian ideas that when you start investigating it, as, as Nietzsche did in um, The Genealogy of Evil, at the end of it, it's one of these things when you start investigating it and you look at it, it may be that the truth is, is actually, um, it's more complicated. And perhaps, you know, lies, lies in some senses are better, you know. Like there's a, there's a limit to the goodness of truth. And in some senses, like... If you cheat on, so okay, you cheat on your wife. Let's get back into the cheating. Because we were talking about all the times that 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 he that you've cheated on your girlfriend, and <laughs> Christine has just got back, by the way. I think yeah, no, I, I heard it. That's, yeah. why I, that's why I'm throwing you under the bus. And they just gone straight to the bathroom. To okay, her, yeah. Okay, and I know you've never really cheated. <laughs> wink, wink. Anyway, um, to my point, you've cheated. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Straight accusation that you should never tell her. Yeah. Like if you only did it once, you were drunk. It was ten years into the marriage. You admit nothing. Is it going to do her? Like, is honestly the truth a good thing? Yeah. 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 Why? You're going to destroy your marriage. Yeah, but it's true. Yeah, but that's the thing. You <laughs> you have to investigate this belief that that it's important to always like. I do believe the truth is valuable. I'm not saying it's not. But I like this old belief that like the truth must be told no matter what the situation 
is, is something, it's a remnant of Christianity. It's not actually like something someone would get from observing humanity without any prior preconceptions of what one should do. Mm -hmm. Like you're causing her much pain, you're making your both, both of your lives are going to become worse. It's not a, a telling of truth that's going to make, like that has any like appreciable benefit. The only thing it does is assuage your conscience and everything else it makes worse. So I'm not saying that one should not tell one's spouse about one-off infidelities. It's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying it's certainly logical to observe humanity and come to the conclusion that sometimes the obfuscation, at least, is better than truth-telling. Or like telling the Nazis that the Jews aren't really in your basement, that, they're in your, that you're in your neighbor's basement, who you can't stand because their music's always too loud. So your neighbors get killed, for one, and also the Jews in your basement, they get to live. So it's a two-for-one deal. Um, there's not even a chuckle. Come on, come on. I'm talking about getting the Nazis to kill your neighbors. That's worth the, that's worth the giggle. Um, I thought it was pretty good. But, <laughs> and the Nazis are doing it too, you know. It's like, you know, like, it's not like you did it. You know, you get away with it. If you want to kill somebody, get someone else to do it for you. Make them think it was their idea. Anyway, don't actually kill people. Don't actually get people to kill people. That's bad. Bad. But all, that, oh, to my point, sometimes uh, truth is not always the best choice. And I think it's something where, like, Christianity has got itself in the knots because, well, you can tell them that there's no Jews in the basement because they're really in the attic. Like, you're not actually lying. But it's still a lie, and sometimes lies are okay. And um, this notion that the truth is always good and beautiful and right is a relic of Christianity. So I'm saying, I think there's a lot of Christian underpinnings to a lot of the things we take for granted as being how things work. I did have a point to say, but it's completely gone from my mind. Neighbors, so. death, Jews, Jews, Nazis, Nazis, cheating, Christianity, doing true. right, what is true, like, or cheating. You, I think you started to talk because I was saying that, like, maybe you shouldn't tell your wife that uh, you cheated yeah. that one night stand. So, oh, yeah, okay, so I think that truth is the best way to kill because you actually don't know what's going to happen. Okay. It's very likely that if you go to your wife, hey, I've cheated on you, she's not going to go, oh, really? Well, you tell her that way. She's not going to go, Really? Oh, that's great. That's amazing. You know, let's just carry on the way we were. That's probably yeah. It's probably likely she's gonna throw a box at your head. She's gonna call you all sorts of names. Go for your phone. Just basically assault you. Yeah. But I don't think that is the correct way to look at it because it isn't the truth that's hurt. It's the action that's hurt. The action happened. Let's say you did it. Yes. Yesterday. And you go back, you you wake up, oh shit, I have to go to my wife's house in 10 minutes away from here where I am. I've slept with her sister. Oh, that's a big one. That's a real fuck up. You slept with a sister at a family party. Your wife went home early. <laughs> and, you know, you wake, <laughs> you wake up and you're like... I have a good story to tell. <laughs> you wake up and it's like, you've got to go back. You gotta go yeah and you tell her. <laughs> but you yeah, but you did it. I just can't go on, go and tell her. No, I, I just think I, I imagine it's probably happened to someone. Yeah. Could you imagine waking up? Like oh, gosh. Sh 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 like <laughs> shit. 
There's, there's a so there's no way out. There's a footballer in England, right? Yeah. Pigs, yeah. ex-footballer now, and he slept with his brother's wife behind his brother's back. Okay, finish finish your story, cause well, it, 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 there was no story. It's just basically you fucked up. You've yeah. done it. It's like well. I think at that point you just keep fucking the sister. <laughs> it's just over at that point. The yeah, marriage yeah. is over at that point. You might as well just go for but, the sister now. But the truth is, what actually happened? You can it's like you can tell the truth, which is what happened. But that's the actual thing. What you did is the bad thing. You telling the truth isn't the bad thing. It's what you did. Does that make sense? I had a mate who was dating a girl for like two or three years, mm-hmm. and was he had the ring purchased. Okay. I'm gonna tell you something. Cool. Everyone in their family is butt ass ugly. Okay. Except this one sister yeah. who is, I swear to God, an utter smoke show. Like like the kind of person who you just wanna see lean up against a very expensive car in a white dress. Mm-hmm. Like that kind of beautiful. Like legit gorgeous. And he was dating this girl for three years. Not not the pretty one. Mm-hmm. Um and I remember him telling me. He knew he wasn't supposed to marry her. <laughs> and he goes, he goes to the, he like goes to a family dinner and he sits down and you know the girl has like three or four sisters. Mm. And he's like, I went, I sat down and it wasn't just the one. I just I would have rather slept with anybody at that table but her. And like that is when he knew that he needed to return everything. <laughs> and it was like, it's like, it's, a, it's like, just him describing it's better, but it's like, look, it's a weird thing to be in a three-year relationship with someone, think you're ready to marry them, and then you go sit at the dinner table with their family, like, ah, actually, I would much rather bang your sister. Like, <laughs> at that point, you should just know it's not, it's not meant to be. Um, so, to actually engage with your point, I just think that story is hilarious. Yeah. But I did not do it justice. Um, okay, maybe. I'm not even, I don't know what the right thing is to do. All I'm saying is that the assumption that, like, what is true is also good and beautiful and right in every situation is a remnant of Christianity and should not necessarily be taken for granted because one can come to very different conclusions mm-hmm. if one just looks at the world trying to get rid of one's preconceptions. So... I think our notions of like sin, like wrongdoing, our notions of salvation, our notions of like needing to do penance for sins. So, some of this is inherent in humanity and some of it is a legacy of Christianity. So I think seeing uh, Nietzsche, Nietzsche is, um, I mean, this is like his bread and butter, right? It's just like, we must do away with the rotten Christian conceptions of morality and go back to an older sort of morality that's more based in how humanity is and how humanity acts. Um, yeah, that's that's Nietzsche. So, I don't know what I tell my if I at that point I, for me I just keep fucking the sister. At that point, I mean, it depends on how what kind of sister, right? But like, obviously, the sister's probably been into you for for a while. She slept with you. Mm-hmm. So she's not just going to get rid of you. She's probably always been jealous of the other sister. So, like, it's just equally better for her. Yeah. And then, like, the marriage is done at that point, right? So you're just better off sticking with the sister. Like, in that situation, like, you, you both just run off. You write a letter. And, like, it's done. It's, 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 it's over. You lost. I mean, you, you messed up. You didn't do the best with what you have. It's just a mess, though. And I just think it's constantly banging and knowing that it's, like, 
it's just continuing. I think at that point you just have to completely dip, like just completely move, stay, move out, maybe move country. You would move out. Oh, I'd be good, but I can't deal with, I can't deal with just that whole thing. I wouldn't do it in the first place. I'd make sure that, make sure that wouldn't happen. <laughs> but I, th- there's a reason I like Bill Burr's podcast so much is because he gets people writing in and people share stories like this where it's actually happened. And there's one one story which is one of my favourites is that he slept with someone's sister while they were broken up, right? Is that the one you're talking about? Uh, no, there was, there was one where his wife, they went to the restaurant, I'll, I'll tell them something, and... The bartender recognised this guy's wife. It's not Bill Burr's wife, this guy wrote in. And she didn't have a name tag on or something. Oh, but he already knew her name. Yeah, yeah. he already knew her name. And then he was like, oh, I just, you know her name. And then basically told him that on the night that, the night before they got married. Yeah, she, she, she slept, I think I've heard this yeah, one too. Yeah. I've listened to a lot of the write-ins. Yeah, so... Will you forgive? It, so I, underst- I understand... One last bang before you get married, right? Yeah, well, it's it's realistically, it's when you're in a relationship, you shouldn't be banging other people. I mean, even if you're married, even if even if you're not married, sorry, if you're not married, you shouldn't be banging other people. I know there's technically there's no there's no legal thing that's stopping you from doing it. But no, I don't think you there. should either. When, <laughs> you've been cheated on, so when I try to make these jokes, I figured I'm like, it's not, it's not painful. It's not like I'm fucking you. <laughs> it's, I, I, it's, yeah. You just have to. It's just something that happens. No, I, I, um, I think that. How do I put it? I mean, someone who sleeps with someone else like the night before your marriage is probably someone who didn't want to be with you to begin with. Like, there's something else going on there, probably, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, or they don't even have anything to do with you. So it's, I don't know. What do you do? I think, like, okay. You, if you're involved with someone, you can tell when something's wrong or something's up. And, or like, sometimes your spidey senses are going off. You don't really have anything to pinpoint, but you think something's up, but you can tell something's up. And then, like, maybe they haven't even cheated yet, right? But they're going to. Or they have cheated and you don't know, and they and they like didn't tell you about it. Or maybe the relationship is shitty and they're lo- like something is going on. Mm. I think there's those situations, and it's like I just think you should get out of those things. And I think if your if your instincts are telling you something is wrong, generally there's probably something wrong. But I do think you know some once in a while somebody I don't know I guess there's like should there be a margin of forgiveness for cheaters? Is there like can you could you forgive someone? <laughs> okay, so you can argue that there's never a reason. And there's a, there's a, there's a, Not even if like you go to dinner and like her sister's just really <laughs> hot, like like Lana yeah. Del Rey, See, gorgeous. I was, I was thinking, just, I was thinking maybe like the husband's abusing the wife. The wife needs a way out. Well, no, the, the wife is abusing the husband. He's a she's abusing you, and the sister is just way more beautiful. Is that a good reason? And the sister is in love with you. She's been in love with you for a long time. I think rather than just going straight for the kill, you've got to, you know, you've got to shake off what else you've got caught. You've got to, instead of going in with the spade, you've got to sort out the rock. You have the easy access, then you no longer have the family dinners where you can go seduce the sister. 
<laughs> you know, that's like you're in. You know, then you have to like make, you have to like start going to like her student bars and like that's weird. No, she's probably still in university. <laughs> she's, a, she's a younger sister. Yeah. Oh, definitely younger. That's weird though. Say if you're like, I think it's weird. How younger? Do you know what you say if you got like uni, uni, like 22, 21, 22. How long have you been with the, the girl for? Well, two years. Two, two years. years. So you knew when she was like 18, eight twenty. This one thing is, you say like yeah. she's just turned 18, 19, You've been with your wife. No, no, six no, years, no, no. And you've seen a girl from teenage to. You've definitely like there was a moment you like you knew her in the past, mm. but you remember her being like when she came into her full blossom, <laughs> you know, about the time you started dating the sister, yeah. and then like you've just been tortured by the constant realization of your gnawing need yeah. to satisfy your carnal lusts on the body of this of this twenty-two-year-old. I think that. What's the right thing to do in that situation? In that situation, you just spoil with your wife. But well, you're not married yet. You're like spoil with your girlfriend. Yeah. You don't. I, uh, <laughs> this, <laughs> you don't use it as like a covert way. No. Yeah, like, there was uh, Noel Gallagher, right? In one of his marriages, he cheated, and he said in an interview, "It's like it was the only way out." Fuck. No, that's, that's bullshit. bullshit. That's, that's bullshit. bullshit. That's bullshit. bullshit. It's like you just tell, you can just break up. You just go, oh, I don't want to be with you anymore. That's a difficult thing to do. I mean, who am I to say that? I was didn't want to be with someone for years, and I stayed with them, didn't have a ball off the cocoons, just said, fuck off. But realistically, that's the the best way to deal with it is just by speaking and saying, oh yeah, yeah, I don't want to be with you anymore. But there are people who are emotionally abusive, abusive people, physically abusive, where maybe the wife says, oh. Every time you have eight cans of Stella, you beat me up. I don't want to be here anymore. And then he beats her up again. It's like likely. That well, then you at that point you flee or yeah. you call the cops. I don't know. But that's getting that's getting awfully serious. This why I hate life. I think it's when you have when you find a brother. Well, no. In that case, if she's beating you up, that you also get the sister. You know, you get the sister to fight her. Like, then it's two against one. <laughs> you know, even if the sister's weaker, like, if, if your wife's abusing you, you know, at least you have the sister to, to like, back you up. Back you up, yeah. yeah it's, well, to be honest. Or you buy a baseball bat or something. To be honest, it's more. Or you get the Nazis. You tell the Nazis that she has Jews in her basement. You move out, tell the Nazis there's Jews in the basement, and then the Nazis take care of your abusive wife for you. Anyway, what, what do you actually do? You probably go to a shelter, right? You probably call the cops, you talk to family. But in my ideal scenario where, where you covertly seduce the sister, you know, all of your problems get solved by Nazis, mm. by Nazis and by staying in the family. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, <laughs> tell you Nazis, solve, Nazis solve a lot of problems. Look, Nazis are terrible, but you know, like a tornado, a tornado is bad. If it kills a, a family of cannibals, good tornado. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes forces of destruction can be used for benefit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a story, basically, well, another yeah. story I heard of someone getting cheated on was that this guy got married. It was a mate of my old boss. He got married, and then it, he said he just had this weird feeling yeah. about his wife. He just had this weird feeling. That? And then he, he was tracking, he ended up tracking her on the phone. I think you could argue it's not a good or bad thing to do. Well, the kind of guy who tracks his wife may have given his wife a reason to start cheating on him in the first place, right? Mm. Like the kind of guy who puts a tracking device on his wife's car 
may have been so controlling, may have been controlling and jealous to begin with. But maybe, going. Yeah. maybe. But yeah. Okay. Basically, he didn't know what was going on, and she was saying, oh, I'm just going to hear it. Yeah. And then when it was sat tracking, he's like, why did you do it? And then he basically, one day, he snapped, and like, I'm going to go see where it is. Yeah. And he knocked onto this, onto the door of the tower where the wife's car was. Open the door, it's just this guy, this drummer guy, and he's like, what are you, what are you doing here? He's like, what do you mean, what's my wife doing here? He's going, your wife? She told me you've been split up for months and months and months. Yeah. But it's just like, oh no. And then, when the was gone, but then they like, they try going through kind of like couples therapy. I don't know, I just, you know, it's just game over, isn't it, really? Well, yeah, um, it's a question of like how much can a relationship i mean if you got kids right if you got kids it's harder i feel like if you don't have kids it's it's really easy you know yeah i think people i also think people feel that like kids it, it probably it even matures you or it make it makes you feel like you're completely stuck and i think that's people get concerned they're always like i don't want kids but like forever i just want to be single forever and it's like, I don't want any kids, but I mean, it depends on how you look at it. It's like, okay, yeah, it's a serious responsibility, but some people, some people are good at it, some people are bad at it, some people are shit parents, as you know yourself, some people are good parents. And I think that I, I've got a friend who used to get, he used to cheat on his girlfriend, got it fucked up, and now he runs like ultra marathons of crazy shit. When he had a kid, it like he was like holy shit i've got to sort myself out and he ended up telling his girlfriend pretty much everything and they worked through it and now they're in a better relationship because of that but you could still go and get fucked up and bang on the bird it could always still fall i um look people change i mean people people don't change people stay the same but the conditions in which they live change right uh, that's another reason against willpower it's like look the people who actually seem like their life have changed, they really are the same person, but the conditions in which their life exists have modified. And the same kind of person who has the energy to go get fucked up every night probably also has the energy level to run ultra marathons. It's just, what are the conditions they're living in? Um, I think there's truth to that. I mean, I don't know. If I had someone who cheated on me, it would, it would really depend on the person. Um, you know, I guess it depends on how long you've been with them. My default answer with a lot of problems, though, in relationships has been, you know what, like, I don't need this shit. Because honestly, like, very truly, you don't, at least in my life, which is maybe better or worse advice. I don't know that I should be giving anybody dating advice, because um, I'm not very good at it. But, um, I mean, my general question, I usually just like, you know what, if I can cut it out, I will cut it out. So... Within. I'm not gonna put up with like somebody's bullshit. Like if someone's just like, like picking fights or like making drama, or not being forthright with me, I'm just like fuck it. Okay, my life was better without this shit. Mm -hmm. So bye. So you see complete cold. Go fuck yourself. See you yeah, later. Bye. Mm -hmm. That's generally what I've done. Have you ever? So have you ever been in a situation where you've not done that? As in like you've tried to put up with it and you've tried to change it. Or would you never try to change it? It's just complete. I think you have to take people how they are. I know you think you, I've tried to like 
be more mature about things and like talk about my feelings in a relationship. <laughs> I've tried to do more of that as time has gone on and not just be like, fuck you, bitch. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I think still you have to take people for who they are. I don't think you're gonna change people. And oh, just how life is. Should we move on from uh, cheating and... <laughs> I mean, I don't, I know, I just, I, I mean, you're, if I can't make jokes about, like, clandestinely seducing the love of my life as I live out this fantasy for you viewers of the podcast that I have been secretly cherishing for the last five years. Um, <laughs> um, that was an aggressive laugh. That was, that was the laugh of a man whose mind is splitting. Um, I, I don't think there's any profound advice. I mean, you can give people more or less sage advice depending on their individual circumstance, but I don't think there's very much one can say seriously about cheating or about infidelity other than to say it sucks, it's complicated, it seems to be you're better off cutting things out, especially if you get the sense that they don't love you. Mm. You know, um, like almost in the night, if you feel like something's wrong, then like it's not just that like the other person is doing something, but there's a complicated emotional reason for it. It's the other person is doing something and you've lost that love and feeling, you know? And it just seems to be that I think lots of people try to stick it out for kids or for pride's sake or for the sake of the past. And it just seems to be it's better to just, you shouldn't just cut out every bad thing from your life, right? Like you should be willing to put in the work, but, um, like, if someone is if someone is making you more unhappy than your baseline level of unhappiness, being alone, then b- why be with that person? Like someone, the addition of someone into your life should not make your life worse than it already was. And then the point at which that starts, um, you better have a very compelling reason still to remain with them. Well, at least for me, and maybe that's a terrible philosophy, but that has generally been the way I've gone about things. Um, where it's like, if this person is like, if I'm literally would be happier breaking up with this person or cutting this person out of my life, then I just do it. So I don't know. It's not like very profound. Um, I mean, it's, it's, everyone's different. Every situation's different. And, you know, I don't think I would ever cheat on someone. I can see the appeal of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're definitely most attractive when you're in a relationship. Oh, yeah. 100%. I can't even yeah. catch this. Uh, me and my friend were talking about this back in England, and he was telling me that he was out on a night out with his work. Yeah. And the water goes. The water. Oh, my God. Uh, it's fine. It's all right. It. Oh, I can do it. That's all it is. I'll you uh, So he was talking about. So he's been in a relationship, and the thing is, I've noticed this, I've, I don't know why, but you just get more attention. I can't, I don't, no idea why. Confidence, the air of not needing, of not needing them. Have you already pressed it? No. It's all uh, Oh, no, but it's, it's got to screw out the water. Um, okay, I can get it from here. Yeah, sweet. So you can... You can go, you don't need it as much, so you don't pursue it. And then he had this girl whispering just absolute filth in his ear out on like a work night out, like just straight to the point. 
Right. I'm gonna blow your brains out. I'm gonna ride your dick like yeah. Napoleon rode his horse. Yeah, you're yeah. gonna get it big time. Just, you know. <laughs> Phil. <laughs> genuine, genuine, I can't think of any filth that's gonna get said to me. But, normally that just doesn't happen. How often does that happen when you know in a relationship? Doesn't. And but you're more aware of, of the time period in which it's not happening. Mm. Um, I mean, I don't know. As a as a thirty as a nearly thirty year old, heavily balding man, it doesn't happen too much, <laughs> unless I'm performing somewhere with music. Yeah. And it's not really someone says something like that to me. It's more like, why is that? Why is that woman of dubious age looking at me at me with wide googly eyes? I'm getting really freaked out. Is she part of the CIA? Like that, that tends to be, I mean, even then it's like not even hot. It's like, it's kind of so out of line with my typical day-to-day -day experience with women mm -hmm. that it's like, it's not even, like it's not even flattering because it's not about you, right? It's just like, oh, stage guy. Yeah, it's like, a, it's a fantasy really, isn't it? It really is. And then, you know, I mean, I think I went on one date. Like, whatever, I don't know. It's just, I don't trust groupies. Yeah. I don't trust like the hangers on at these jam places. Like the people who don't actually play music and are just there like, <laughs> because they love the scene. Yeah. I just don't fucking trust them. I just, like you're staying. Hey. Yeah, he's still yeah. Doing, yeah. Um, do you want to come in and join? It's like you meet people at these places, you know. Um, and they're, they're like, none of them play music, but they just love being around musicians. And it's like, I just, I just kind of fucking hate groupies. Yeah. I just, I've met like Zizko Zizko groupies and I fucking can't stand them. You know, it's like, like why? I mean, I had one woman. I went to some party once. I went to some party. And. I'm sitting in the kitchen, I'm talking with this woman for like an hour. And some music comes on and I start dancing really close to her. Mm. She's grinding up all against me. Da, da, da. She whispers to me, by the way, I'm married, so we can't do anything. It's like it was literally a two and a half hour tease. Yeah. And the next time I saw her, she was like, oh, and then, and then she starts like, and then the party winds down, there's like five of us left. And then she like starts talking to me and this other dude about maybe us having a threesome. And the next time I see her, she's like, hey, Jacob, how's it going? Remember me? And it's like, fuck you, bitch. Like, what the fuck kind of trash hoe are you? <laughs> like, the, the worst kind of trash hoe is a trash hoe who doesn't fuck. Yeah. Like, if you're going to be a trash hoe, at least put out. Mm. Like, be what you are. But, like, this like whole, like, oh, I just love, 
I just love getting mad excited about me and then telling them no. Like, fuck that. And it's just, it's like, oh, you come across a lot of people who, like, I don't know how to put it. It's not that everybody is, like, a, a married woman who's, like, you know, edging at the party and, like, that's their thing. But you do come across a lot of people who, like, their intentions they were dubious like they want to be if they want to be part of like the cool crowd or like they just really have a thing for musicians like and it, or they they like uh want to be modern and edgy you know or they just want to they want to be part of like where the parties are mm -hmm. and it's just like fuck it. i'm just trying to play some guitar here yeah like I mean, I do want it to help me get laid from time to time, but I'm not like, like I, I want people. I want people who like are like-minded spiritually to hear the things I make and connect with me across the barriers of time, distance, and and language. And I would also like once in a while for someone to suck my dick because they're impressed with my abilities. And that's like the extent of what I want from the audience. Mm. What I don't want is someone to be like, oh. Guitar man! <laughs> like, or I don't want someone to be like, hey dude, where's the cocaine? Or like, or like, hey man, musicians are cool. Aren't you, are you cool? Are you cool enough for me? I'm a cool guy. I'm a young student. I'm cool. Cool man, cool, cool. I'm just like, and you know, it's kind of for me, like you've heard my music, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, like what I played for you, it's okay. Yeah. Hey, how would you describe the quality of what you heard? In terms of like how professional is that recording? It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, it's my I I have I lack certain abilities in singing. I can make it like a, a passable mix. It's a lot of work. Um, I know people who are much better than me, much more skilled. So all what I'm trying to say is like it also puts an extra level of pressure on me. I feel like I have to live up to others' conception of me mm -hmm. as as the artist there, and it's like. I'm just a dude who makes passable recordings from time to time with a lot of work. And so it's like, I'm not your musician friend. Like I know people who are real musicians. I'm not one of them. Okay. And so I also just don't like having to, cause that's all you are for someone like that. You're just, you're just the thing, you know, you're replaceable. Mm. You're the dude on stage. And so, I mean, you love the attention. I love attention, but I don't, what, I mean, how do we even get on this? I don't know. I, feel okay. like I just fucking hate rubies. <laughs> Keep going. No, well, like, is that the, like, it's the idealization of somebody's fantasy to upset. I think we do that anyway. It's like, you could say that exactly. I... I mean, you know, one might have fantasies about younger sisters <laughs> leaning on cars <laughs> who are just graduating from university, slowly falling in love with you as you infiltrate your way into their family. <laughs> Some people might really? have these. Yeah. yeah. And people fantasize over different things. It's like, you play guitar. <laughs> these some people might go, oh, this guy plays guitar. He must be so open-minded. And then they find the Brexit's Health Podcast and realize you're a neo-Nazi. I'm, an, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a close-minded neo-Nazi yeah. fascist. 100%. Unapologetically. And you do that. I hate gay people. I hate straight people. I hate bisexual people. Right. I hate transgender people. I hate fridges. I hate windows. I hate everybody except 
<laughs> I was gonna say Jew killing Nazis, but that's a little much. That's a little, <laughs> that's a little yeah. much, yeah. <laughs> like that was the punchline where I was going for because I started off with the Nazi thing, and then I got halfway through the joke and I was like, I don't, I, I love everyone except Jew killing Nazis. They are the one group I hate. Mm. Everybody else is okay. I don't know, I guess you can't cut that part out. So I'm now I'm trying to do my apologies in real time. It was a joke that was supposed to be funny and that did not go well. Forgive me. I I, let me resort to Christianity and beg for your forgiveness for my sin. So they let rapists. I can see where they're coming from. <laughs> I, I, I mean... No, I, I don't know. I, I don't think you should ever rape somebody. I don't think rape is ever okay. I, I do have to say, sometimes I've been very sexually frustrated where I can, I can see why people rape. Yeah. Not, I, I don't, it's not, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here, people, I, okay, actually. Educate me on. No, well, at rape. Well, yeah. I'm an expert. I'm an expert on rape. No, I think this is something people do. Where we were talking about Hitler yesterday, right? Mm -hmm. And Hitler's evil. And we were saying, like, people mythologize Hitler's evilness and, like, paint him as, like, this abstraction of pure evil when, in fact, he's a human being with a lot of the same flaws and character traits that they have. It's much easier to make the things one would not want to be like or want to be called, like, instances of myth mythological evil instead of dealing with the very real reality that that but for the grace of God, there go I, right? But for the, the, whatever the circumstances of one's life and the education or, you know, the fact that the butterfly flattered its wings in this location, you know, butterfly effect, the small, small repercussions. Um, the, the impulses of a rapist, of a murderer, of, of a serial killer, of a dictator, of, of any of the evil things in the world live inside your heart and my heart and the heart of the listener. And um, I think it's only by admitting that we each of us have the capabilities somewhere in us of some of the most diabolical actions that we can actually take steps to prevent their recurring. Because I think by mythologizing them and pretending like they don't exist in the common man, then we allow them to, um, we allow them to fester unabated. Mm. I think this reckoning reckoning with human evil as a mundane thing, um, I think is a necessity for a well-regulated society. I think what people probably look at is when they think of. Nazi Germany, it was Hitler, it's an awful person, but there was a whole system that, that orientated towards that belief system. Yeah. And it's very likely that if you grew up in Nazi Germany, you would be a Nazi. And I've Well, sanity is social, like we said at the start mm -hmm. of this podcast. So, like, it would be just like if in a Christian community, not being Christian is insane. Not being a Nazi in Nazi Germany is insane. Mm. Now, is it is it literally insane logically? Probably not, but it's socially insane. And not insane, I mean, merely in the sense of one's own well-being. It's like, for as much as insanity, insanity is a socially conditioned thing, one is quite 
by necessity insane by not doing what the majority does. Mm. Do you think there's a mass psychosis going on at the moment with with COVID? No, I didn't. We missed it. Trying to set you up there, dude. There's some. There's some guy on Jordan Peterson, Jordan Peterson, Joe Rogan's podcast, who's like thinking that the vaccines are making us have instances of mass psychosis. I can't prove that they won't. You know, I can't prove that we're not actually all sitting in a box and hallucinating that this is reality. Which is, I mean, it's very terrifying to me. I don't know how it is to you, but I've I've realized in recent years how very frail. The, the border is between sanity and insanity. Because mm. one can just start going down, getting on YouTube, in YouTube holes. One can start getting disconnected from reality. Mm. Not even disconnected. One can start doubting reality in a very serious way very quickly. Oh, yeah. so it's like, like, oh, the Matrix is really what's real, what's real? But then I think, like, so I had started having panic attacks. I had some panic attacks in, like, the winter of 2019, 2020, right? And it's like, I really believed I was dying of some undiagnosed heart condition. Mm-hmm. With all my, all my skin and bones, I was convinced there was something physically wrong with me. And, and that was quite literally delusional. Mm-hmm. Like, now my heart is palpitating. There's, there's reasons, right? It's not just like heart condition. You know, my heart is palpitating. I'm getting, I'm getting weak. But like, it was quite literally not reality. So for me, it was like when the whole like, oh, the matrix, um, it like became like this, like there's, there's been various periods in my life where like these vague intellectualizations of things become very concrete reality very fast. And they become, because of that, very terrifying. Because it's like, oh, this was a cute idea to throw around, but like actually you can start believing that like the vaccines are causing mass hysteria you know, like, I mean, it's not hard, because there is not, I know and you have, there's mental health issues in your family, so I'm not, mm-hmm. but I do think there are mental health issues which are not schizophrenia or psychosis or bipolar disorder, which are merely the result of, like, bad logic and, and being part of reinforcing social structures that reinforce that, that untrue belief. And so one can quite, I think, it's not too difficult in given circumstances for someone to become delusional, even without being psychotic. Like, mental health is, yeah, do you know what I mean? People believe the earth is flat. Mm-hmm. Like, people in their heart of hearts who are like normal people believe the earth is flat and that like Trump won the election. Mm-hmm. Like, people believe these things and they're quite demonstrably false by any like fact checking and reasonable methods that we have at our employ. Like, like delusion is not hard to fall into. And it's quite, it's been a quite a terrifying realization for me. Because mm-hmm. it's like, how thin is the, how thin is the line between, between my sanity and self-control and like me needing to be institutionalized. And I don't know that that border is as thick as we like to believe it is. I think in the same sense that we like to think that Hitler is like nameless evil that we could never approach. But when in fact we all have the capacity to become, we all could become child rapists and mass murderers and like I don't even know what else like the, the most evil things around the world yeah. they're literally we also in ourselves like have the seeds of of complete loss of self-reliance 
Um, and so it's when I, when I say this, I mean, I don't know, for me, it's quite terrifying. It's quite, to wrestle with these things, I, they're, they're cute intellectualizations and you can jest and joke. But I, and I don't know that there are answers. I think Christianity says all evil is a result of sin and like open yourself to Christ and then like the sin goes away, da 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 da. But I think one, if one takes Nietzsche's approach and says, well, let's try to disregard the Christian preconceptions about morality and just look at humanity as it is. I think one is, one can have no reaction but horror. So I think there are people like, um, I'm gonna to come to an end of this, but you know David Lynch's films? No. Okay, he made Mulholland Drive or Blue Velvet. Um, I think also Ingmar Bergman is excellent when it comes to this. And to a lesser extent, Joyce, although Joyce doesn't have quite the amount of horror. Joyce is the author, not the... But Ingmar Bergman made films. And it's like, especially Bergman and, um, and Lynch, it's like they have characters who are faced with the fundamental horror of what humanity is. And there are, like, I don't know how you deal with it. I don't know how to make sense of it. Um, I don't know that one can. I think one can just look at horror. One looks at both the mirror and at the outside world with the same expression of aghast horror. What do you mean by that? I mean, I mean, literally for everything I said. Like, you would be a Nazi in Nazi Germany, mm -hmm. right? Like, if the government gave you shit tons of LSD, you might start becoming like the Unabomber, you know? Or if you start getting down a weird YouTube path, you might become a flat earther, and or worse, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And um, it just seems like I don't. It's just it's horrifying. Yeah, I, I had this conversation with Christina. Is that okay? I love John Peterson, and I applied his book to my life. Made my life better. But what I didn't like was the videos where it's like John Peterson destroys feminists, destroys, yeah. and it's like. When you start doing that and you're looking at the comments of, on videos and you see that people are leaning a certain way, then you just start you start getting engaged just with that. You start aligning with that. Yeah, that's right. And I, I, I'd say that I'm leaning more to the left politically. And I've got a friend who's similar to me. And we were talking about uh, companies paying a small amount of tax. And I said... It was basically what someone commented on a YouTube video. I was like, well, you know, you you would attack them if they didn't put the money into infrastructure. Like they, the money that they're not paying tax are putting into infrastructure for the employees. And I started to think about it and I was going, hang on a minute, but do I actually agree with what I've just said or is that just something that I've just read that aligns with the thing that I'm watching? And it was, it was just what something I was watching. It wasn't my own opinion on how, what I thought was happening. It was just, I seen this. And it, it's, it's sort of like a group think. And it's an issue with YouTube and social media where you can just choose the things that you like. And that is very beneficial, but it's also inconsiderate of other things that are going on in life where there's things outside of your expertise or outside of your interest that might be, oh, I'm not interested in that. Why? And you write it off instantly. And instead of considering what that might show you, you just fob it off. Like I said to you yesterday, you could spend months working on an album. Someone listens to 15 seconds of the first song, you're like, shit, that's 
Yeah. And they write it off, it's gone. They're just like completely inconsiderate of what the artist has made. And I had a point with this. I'm just going to keep going because I think I've lost it. But I started off with abject horror at humanity, but it's, it's okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I, I, well, I guess what I'm trying to say is that you can, you, you can become detached with reality very easily with modern day yeah. situations. And I think people blame it on like, technology and all, all this stuff. I don't know what it is to blame. I think it's, I think it's just hearts. Human nature, yeah. I, I mean, there's been people who like all drink a poisoned drink and all die as part of a cult because they think they're going up to God. Mm. Like, and why, you know, like that's not... People have done all sorts of like nonsensical things as everyone else does them for a very long time, probably as long as humanity's been around. And I just, it fills me with anxiety and horror because it's like... When you think of the implications of such a thing, right? I think if you really just follow such a thing, like, down, 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 down the rabbit hole, I think the only reaction is horror and silence. Mm -hmm. I don't know, I don't, there's no sense to be made of it. I think... Like, what is even goodness? Like, or, like, how do you even know that, like, what you conceive of goodness is goodness? If, like, so much of your conception of reality is societally dependent? Yeah, and what if you're wrong as well? What if your perception of goodness is wrong? And it's do you know? quite easy to become convinced that, like, goodness is eradicating the disease-carrying Jewish people and, and Polish, which is not, not saying I believe, but I'm, quite, I'm saying if you're in Nazi Germany and everybody say, well, these people are carrying the diseases, and you can take a very rational approach this way, like, well, murder is wrong, but there's a greater evil in allowing the disease-ridden Polish to keep populating the earth and destroying humanity. So the lesser evil for the sake of destroying the greater evil. You know, one can do all sorts of things, you know, and it gets quite complicated when you start getting, like, with the nuclear bomb. Mm. Okay. Mm. Like, how many American lives are equal to two generations of poisoned Japanese? And why, why is it okay for us to drop the nuclear bomb? Well, was it okay? Was it not? And you start, like, you know, and, and it may, like, some, yeah, and it's, it's, um, I can get the argument for religion, even though I don't think it's reasonable, because at least then it's like, well, these are the set of right things, and we know what's right. Now, of course, it's, it's intellectually indefensible because no one knows what is right. You're not God, you know. You didn't have some indisputable experience with God that we can test over and over and over to know that it actually happened. But, I mean, there must, you know, it's, it's one, can, one can think oneself into a whole, into a very evil but logically consistent moral universe where pillage, rape, and murder are the best thing that one can do. One can intellectualize oneself. One can create an internally consistent system of morality. I mean, the Nazis were internally consistent. Like, we are trying to do the best thing for the earth, and strength is what should prevail. It's not a... It's not a it was not an irrational thing, necessarily. 
I mean, because, I mean, now, is it is it rational in the larger sense? No. Like, mm. are polls really disease-carrying people? No. But internally, given the assumption that, that polls are disease-written people and that Jewish people are unincorporatable parasites on the earth, which neither which I agree with or which I think are true, but given these two assumptions, one quickly comes to the, to the conclusion that, yeah, we should kill them all. Mm. It's especially if there's no alternative. If that's what's being displayed to you as the this problem and the yeah. solution, then there's the, if if that's what's being available by the state and saying, well, this is the way of how you deal with, then it's very likely people are going to start rationalising it. Okay, yeah, I agree with that. Or I, because there's there's no other option for them to disagree with it other than the, their own morality. So I know, yeah, it's it's something I've thought about for a long time. And I don't know how to make sense of it mm. or how it just fills me with horror. Mm. Yeah, I'm just filled with like, and I think, I think we talk about relationships, etc. You know, I think the most, the thing that fills me with most with horror, and it's almost like, a, I think a stereotype of like Catholics, like horror at sex. But I do think of all the human passions, it's the most untamable like it's it's it, i think inherent in itself enjoyment involves like it's not being tamed right mm -hmm. but i think it's like the one that fills me with the most horror because it is the most untamable like in its essence it's like okay like i don't know ambition right we always ambition but like ambition has an end right but like, if you go to your to your partner and like, I just want to have very like boring sex, mm. the partner's gonna be like, well, "Fuck that! That's not that's not what this is about." And it's like, okay, well, you you just take somebody and like, you know, you get like you end up you end up with Buffalo Bill because you have like we're all born with this desire, right? And you know, Silence of the Lambs, right? The dude, he's harvesting like women's skins to like make himself into a woman. Okay. Yeah, and you know Silence of the Lambs, the movie? I'm not so, no, oh, okay. Yeah. It's like a famous kind of like psychological horror flick from the States. But I guess basically like if you take the normal like human state of who people are and put them in bad situations that they're like put if you take human impulses and put them into pressure cookers, they end up and you end up with rapists and murderers. Mm -hmm. It's like and so what I'm getting at is I think that it's like, okay, ambition is bad. Like, like, how do I put this? I think a lot of the mundane evil, like you're talking about rapists on the street, right? Like, okay, when I say I can understand where, they come, where they're coming from, let's say you're, man, like your life is shit, right? You're ambitious, it's all gone to shit. And like, you're attracted to women, but you, you have some facial disfigurement, right? And all your life you spend indoors. Like, it's not some strange, abnormal evil. It's the same impulse you and I have put in a pressure cooker that has nowhere else to go. Which I'm not saying makes it right. I think it's still wrong, of course. But what I, I guess the point I'm trying to make is, is that, at least with ambition, right? At least with other human desires and impulses and, and uh, things. It's like, with ambition, you just... Well, I should be less ambitious. Eventually, ambition cools down. It seems to me that, like, the other, like, envy has its limit, right? No one, like, loves envy so much that they, like, spend three hours doing envy, 
like nobody the greed is great. I mean, maybe greed is the closest equivalent to sexual desire. Like maybe greed, like this possessiveness. But like I'm trying to think if there's any other like boundless human probably greed. Probably greed, greed, resentment, and sex drive are the three I can think of that are just so boundless and like that they fill me with horror in a sense because there's no like natural end to them. You can't like the dude that's not getting laid doesn't want to get laid less. He just, the way he wants to get laid changes. Or the very greedy person who doesn't have like any possessions begins to steal and take from those around him. The very resentful person who doesn't have any outlet for his desires, like eventually just starts beating the shit out of his wife, right? And it's so, it's, it's like baked in. Like the evils of us are baked into who we are. And it's really just putting people in pressure cooker situations that makes people behave terribly. Mm. So, like, I know we, st I, I don't want to hammer on this. I feel like we've kind of hammered the same point for a while now. But I guess I'm just, I mean, we kind of like. I guess I don't. I think it's a good argument against the existence of God because what God would make a uh, humanity like this. But I also think it's like. I mean, how does one even live? Like, how does one how does one even live in a world like this? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll, even if you say a world like this, well, how would you even live in general? There's no guidebook to say this is exactly how you should live. You could argue that religion provides that how you should live, but there's no like, okay, you wake up six a.m., five past six, you do this. One minute past. Uh, seven you do this there's no guidebook there's no like this is the exact way you need to li need to live your life you have okay everyone's got everyone's got the same amount of time let's say yeah. time is probably ideal it, uh, time is probably the only thing that is sure but everyone's time can come to an end at some point but everyone's experience is unique in their own way so it's fine and dandy to say, for me to say, oh, I would never do this. I could never live like that. And that's, I think that's arguably based on the experience I've had growing up and being, I'd say, from a more privileged family. Yeah. There's less likely the requirement to do those sort of actions. And when you look in places, let's say in Africa, third world countries, it's likely that these horrible things are gonna happen. And it's like, well, why is that happening that? I think, obviously there's still people in Western countries that do horrible shit, but there's a lot more horrible shit going on in other third world countries. So it's like, do they need to become more Westernized? Is that a way, like, is there something about Western society? One should argue they should become yeah. less so. I feel like we have a greater quantity of, of like, these evils in Western society than we do in third world countries. Because at least there people are, I don't know, you can finish your thought. I, I'm just thinking, like, I'm trying to think of a, a good example of something happening currently. Uh, I don't know if there's something in Zimbabwe or, so let's think, let's say uh, Gaza and Israel. <laughs> this is a, now this is the whole Palestinians and uh, 
Yeah, well, Jeez. we know you hate Jewish people. We've already, we've already established, established the anti-Semitic nature of this episode. <laughs> Look, I actually, I, I love Jewish people. Which, mm. I, I, got, I have lots of Jewish friends. I actually kind of enjoy the religion. If I was going to become any religion, any, convert to anything, it would either be Judaism or, or Islam, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, finish here. So it's it's like is the something about this the situation that people are grown up in that leads to that behavior? Yeah. Do you do you do you think that's the case? I mean, I, I can't pull out this to any stats from the pop, out, pop, ugh, from the back of my head, but it it seems more likely that the I'd say poorer a society then the more horrendous things that happen in that, that society. You could argue, okay, in America you've got school shootings and murders happening, but on the grand scale of things, I think the main reason they get so much media attention is because it's out of the ordinary. Well, you could argue there's a lot of going on in America at the moment where there's frequent school shootings, but frequent bad things happen in poorer countries. And what is, I guess my, uh, my issue is like, what? How the fuck do you solve that? How do you solve that? We, I've got a better life than somebody else, but then someone else has got a better life than me. Someone else can exist for five years and then get shot in the head in some country. All these potential things that could happen, or you hear stories that actually happen where people die at a young age and all that potential's gone. It's like I, I struggle with that. Like understanding that. All these bad things happening in the world, but it's like my existence seems to be, you know, pretty good. I don't think this is okay. That's not the part of it that horrifies me. Okay. Yeah, I think what horrifies me is okay because like one can this is a terrible thing to say, but one can say it's it's the salt that makes the sauce. Like a world without any tragedies is quite a boring world indeed. Mm. Like I, I this whole like you know there might be some things say like some quantities of human suffering. As horrid as suffering is, is like makes life quality of life better, because at least even in one's own life, right? Like some difficulties like give differentiation to the life. I think the thing that horrifies me is something similar to the fact that if you got captured by North Korea, in about three days they could convince you that you were actually a CIA spy. Mm. Something like this, like where you you are endlessly fungible. You know like who you are and what you believe and your moral qualities and what you consider to be reality is given a specific set of screws could become anything. You know, it takes about three days for someone to believe they're actually a CIA spy. And so it's like, that is more what horrifies me. It's not the quantity of bad human behavior in the world it's that I see somebody confessing to be a CIA spy and I understand that me in the same situation, I'm the same thing. Who was it who confessed to be a CIA spy? Oh, it's just was the... Well, I don't know. They, it seems to happen pretty routinely. If they capture an American, they mm-hmm. get him to confess such a thing, you know, in South Korea, in North Korea. Or there's a great scene in, um, I mean, I think it goes back to, um, it's like Bergman. I mean, Emar Bergman is good at this, and so is Lynch. But there's a scene in Blue Velvet where this kid is hiding in a closet. 
he's like gone home with this nightclub singer, right? He's like a young, he's like a younger kid, like early teens, mid teens, and he's watching with horror from the closet as this man like attacks this woman and sexually assaults her. But the way the scene is set up, there's almost like a, also a fascination with it, like for both the viewer, like in persona, child, mm -hmm. right? I mean, quite literally, you're watching it happen, and I think it's like. It's that it's not the horror. The horror is not at the thing happening. The horror is not the quantity of evil in the world. I think the horror for me is in that I could become one of these horrible people. Mm. You know, it's like there's nothing preventing me from coming to believe that I'm actually a CIA spy. You know, like no, and so I don't. We, we should probably move past this, right? No, no, but this is good. but yeah, I, I I hear I I see where you're where you're kind of taking it. Yeah. And like, and obviously it doesn't bother me. Like, it, evil exists in the world. People are bad. Yeah. And if like somehow it was really about people's childhoods, mm. or like some like tragic era of their life, then it's like okay, that would make me feel better. Or if it's about like something in their neuropsychology, it would make me feel better, right? Like these are all consoling thoughts. Mm. But when when you come to the like. I went home with a nightclub singer and this dude is stabbing a woman's vagina with a pair of scissors and like for some reason I can't turn away. Or you get to the like, this dude is a, this dude, just a regular student and is just like a student in this country and then all of a sudden he believes that he is like trying to topple the North Korean government like in his heart of hearts. Mm -hmm. Like, and you realize that you are like not so much different from these people. You know, I... Like, you know, I, I, when I was you know, growing up, I consumed a lot of art, read a lot of books, etc. And it was always like, you would play around with these ideas as though they were like games. Like, you tore with these, like, oh, humanity is like tortured. It's so cute. Like, it was like, they were like ideas. But the older I've gotten, the more I've been like, I mean, with the pain attacks, it's like realizing that I could believe in something which is manifestly not true with my heart of hearts. It was quite... It's been, it's been something I've, I've wrestled with and I'm not sure I've made peace with. Because it's like, okay, bad things happen. It's, it's like, I don't know, making it about somebody's childhood or about like this, the, the financial situations of their country, I think are like ways that we avoid coming to terms with the fact that Hitler is not so much different from you. Mm -hmm. Like, but for the grace of God, there go I. I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of wisdom in that phrase. And so I think we were talking about whether you can judge people or whether you should, like, criticize the whole cancel culture thing, right, to bring it back around. Mm -hmm. It's like, there but for the grace of God go thee, right? I mean, and, and not, honestly, with some of the things people get canceled for or criticized for, you've probably done things of equal moral wrong. Like, people are not getting canceled for, like, violent gang rape on the streets. People are getting canceled for, like, harassing somebody for news, which I have done in my life. To my, to, I wish I hadn't, um, and like not to the point where I was like stalking them, but like past the point of being told no, mm -hmm. and um, I have done things. Or let's say that's not the evil. Maybe the evil of the time is like polluting, right? Or working for a company that pollutes. Like mm -hmm. everybody, it's it's just so silly because not only do we all have the capacity for for the for the greatest evil that exists in the world, and but for a very, for but for a little bit of pressure in a short period of time, could become like such things. It's like when it comes to cancel culture, 
We've all done things. It's not the sins that are being prosecuted are not sins that are like far and away more evil than the things we ourselves have done. Mm. So like how can you cast a stone? Like, you know, take out the log in your own eye before you take out the speck in your brothers. Like you yourself have done things that you regret. And so like why are you out there condemning? Like like by condemning them you are condemning yourself. By judging them, you're judging yourself. You know, there's no... I mean, in, in a very evolutionary sense, mercy is a means of self-preservation. Because when one creates a society where every wrong below a certain threshold, no, no how, like, 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 past, like, a minor thing of, like, stubbing one's toe, if every wrong is capable of, of like, social ostracization, then eventually everybody is socially ostracized. It always comes back around to you and your sins in time. Like right now, it may not be a sin you have committed, but eventually it will be. And so, like in just evolutionary psychology, it's a horrible thing for self-preservation to, to do witch hunts. Because one is almost like, one is just as easily to be found a witch. You know, witch hunts are not, are not good for, for uh, keeping one's status in the community. They're maybe good to get rid of. If you want to get rid of somebody, they're very easy because she's a witch. Mm. Oh, they're a witch. Goodbye. And, you know, that's all it takes. But it's incredibly dangerous. And, um, you know, we're sitting here talking about, like, the horrors of the world and whether we're capable of them. But I think if you zoom back from that and say, well, we just, we just, we just spent, like, an hour getting to the worst things people can do mm. that we both, I think, agree are, like, the worst things people can do. And it's like... How can you not then have mercy on people who say they're sorry and have made changes to their lives for things they regret? Like, how can you not forgive people? Like, you, like, like to me, you're, that's almost like a Hitler thing. If you're withholding forgiveness for somebody's minor sin of which they've repented and tried to do right following, like, that's, that's Hitler level. That's about as awful a thing as you can do is to not forgive no matter how small the fault. Mm. Like that's that's horrid. Do you mean that? So you can, even if so, if you can't forgive somebody based on a, a simple mistake, that are you saying that it's like how can you outline these horrible things? Like, no, I think more in the sense of like, um, this woman is like she said you could work and not be poor, and like we want to start it off with whatever. And it's like, I mean, first of all, is that even a sin? Is that even a wrong thing to say? It's debatable, but let's even just assume for the sake of argument it is, okay? And she says she's sorry, and she's going to take some sensitivity training, and she really is contrite and, like, uh, has, like, adopts a homeless person as a, as a friend. Um, it's like the fact that you wouldn't forgive her, the fact that there's no mercy in your heart for her, the fact that there's no, there's no attempt to, like, maybe... A, like find exculpatory evidence for her crime, assuming it even is a crime, is like is utterly merciless. It's utterly it's it's. I actually think it's evil. I actually think it's it's on the level of like like someone who has no mercy in their hearts and doesn't try to see the reasons to forgive somebody or to like make excuses for their wrongdoing. Um. Like, that kind of person is, is black. That per kind of person has a black, black heart. I'm glad you said black, black heart, not just 
is black. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's black in the sense of, like, you know, a blackguard. Not, uh, not black people. Uh, yeah, I think that's good because some people hold uh, other people to like, these ridiculously high standards, but then what they do themselves is. Knife for a knife makes the world blind, right? It's less of an honest. And you, I had stuff to say, but then you, you kept going and sort of lost them. Well, no, I, you please, please give I don't even understand what it, but please respond to everything I just said. Because yeah. I've kind of just been vomiting, <laughs> so I hope I haven't bored you terribly. No, I haven't. It did. Okay, okay. I don't know. Christina! I thought she said she left. Is she late? I don't know. So about that, about that uh, cup of coffee I had at Sir Toby's. Okay, Sir Toby's also great outdoor patio. If you need an outdoor patio, you want to drink a beer, you want to drink with some foreigners, you want a good draft beer after your nice buffet of breakfast. Sir Toby's Hostel, Holoshevitsa, Praha, Praha Seven, beautiful place. Not allied, not affiliated. We're not sponsored, but Sir Toby's Hostel, best hostel in Prague. Go to Sir Toby's. All right, I'll be back. Paul, we'll, we'll try to wrap it up. It's been quite. Yeah, what, long what's time. time is it? Two and a half hours. Two and a half? Yeah, it's ten to five. Okay, so we've got two and a half hours of recording time. Yeah, yeah, it's a long Okay, yeah. that's a um, lot of me. I, I think I spoke probably 90% of it, though, <laughs> too, was the other. Well, but I that's a dangerous thing. I, I don't really like. I don't know when talking, but I just try to keep the conversation going. Yeah. Because I, I can't say anything. You're quoting, like, Misha and all these interesting people. That can't get to that level. Oh, I mean, you could, I think you can understand some of the things I'm trying to touch on though, right? Yeah. yeah. Or some of the things that are my intellectual and moral preoccupation. Yeah, I could understand the, uh, well, I, from, my, from my own level, I could understand what you're saying about the potentially being an evil person. Uh, and then I, I guess the way I took that was, I also get uh, caught up saying, okay, that could be a reality, but it's also a reality that I've potentially got a better existence than somebody else. And there's all basically it's all these awful things that are happening in the world. It's like, why do I have the right to live like that? It's like it it's hard to get out of that hole. I think after for a while I was like, well, why do I get to do this and other people don't? And it's like it's it's hard why to Why do you get to be a good person? Like is it kind of like is that it's it's that it's also like why do I have this opportunity and other people don't have this opportunity and so why does that person get to do this? It's I wouldn't actually I wouldn't say it's looking at other people saying why did they get to do that? It's more looking at myself thinking uh it's almost like guilt. I feel like why do I have this sort of upbringing compared to some other people who've got it worse off than me? And that, and that kind of got irritates me, the fact that there's people who just live till they're like eighteen in Africa and then they just die of malaria, and just born into nothing, pretty much. Um. Yeah, I don't know. You know, that sort of thing is never like I would. I would prefer fewer people die of malaria. Mm. But that sort of thing has never quite filled me. Like the fact that people, um, I don't know, like it's luck, right? It's like, I don't know why, maybe because I have a cold heart. Yeah. But that sort of thing where like, man, people die of malaria, it's not, doesn't make me like, doesn't make me want to curse God. Yeah. Because it's like, 
I don't know. Yeah. People die of things. I would say it's, I don't know, it's not the curse of God. I don't know what that means. I don't know what curse of God means, to be honest. It's like, I don't even know what you could argue God to be. It's like this thing that you can't see, but it's like a present, what you say. Oh, what? I don't know. I mean, that's like the thing, right? What is God? If there is one. Gone about all it's a God. <laughs> well, no, I, I'm not someone who readily believes there is a God, right? Yeah. Um, and I guess when I say like, the thing that the things like a thing it's not a thing that would make me hate God if he existed. Mm. Malaria is not a thing that would make me hate God if he existed. I'm glad that a, a natural world exists in which things are allowed to have free will and develop as they will. So like the idea of a God who gave us free will and the capacity to harm and to also do good and a world in which chance rules whether we have a, a, a pleasant lot or, a, or an unpleasant lot. I think it's kind of a nice world. It makes the world interesting. You know, I always thought the story of Eden was a terrible one. I always thought the story of Adam and Eve before the apple was a horror story. It honestly used to fill me with, with, with disgust growing up because it seemed like the worst kind of world. Like it seemed like a world not worth living in. You know, one in which one is just constantly inundated by, by by bland pleasantness that never appealed to me. And so I kind of, um, I was never able to, I mean, it was a nice thing when I left Catholicism because it, it helped me say like, okay, well, if there is a God, he didn't necessarily have to start it as an Eden. Mm. And I think almost like the unpredictability and the variability in human fortune, um, if there is a God that could be seen as a gift because it makes life interesting and worth living. Even the fact that life has an end, right? Like, it, it makes the world an interesting place. Mm -hmm. So, I don't even think, you know, some people say, oh, death, how can there be a god when people die? It's like, well, you know, death has a lot of good aspects. It, it makes life worth living. And I think, you know, you can be thankful for anything that makes life worth living. Um, even if it's something that you try to escape. Mm. And so, I, I don't, don't have such a problem with human suffering because it, you know, if there was no suffering, then there would be no absence of suffering. And not suffering is kind of a nice thing. You know, you get very sick. After you get very sick, sometimes those are very nice days because you're able to go for a run again and you feel, you feel good, etc., etc. So, you know, why, you know, I don't feel guilt. I mean, I certainly want to do my part to help people get out of their bad situations. And I would prefer that, that people are able to do things to get out of their bad situations, certainly. And um, I don't want there to be obstacles put in their way. But the fact that, that bad situations are a possibility, I don't think is a negative for humanity. Mm. I think it possibly also guides humanity in the right way. Because if there's just, say, just eat Gandhi and it's just like the best things happening all the time, then it's like, uh, how do you know? what you're supposed to be. Well, where's even the beauty? I don't, like, what's the beauty of that, right? Isn't, like, beauty in contrast and in variety and in, like, the admixture of light and dark? Mm -hmm. So, we'll wrap it up. What's next for you, Jay? What are you getting up to? I don't actually know what you're doing, but... Uh, Breakfast is Hell podcast. <laughs> uh, season two is coming out yeah. right now. 
should have an, an album of musics. I have musics under the name Somebody Has a Question on SoundCloud. Should have another thing coming out before the end of the year. And hopefully I have some more writings getting published in some journals before the end of the year. But that is makes me seen. So if you want to keep touch with everything, I have a website, kofi.com slash Jacob Yurok Productions. That is ko-fi.com slash Jacob, J-A-C-O-B, Yurok, J-I-R-A-K, Productions. Use Google Spelling, you idiot. And um, you can keep tabs with what I do there. Yeah. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, thank you. Thank <laughs> you.